Hello and welcome to the Optional Podcast, episode number 207 for the week of May 11th, 2020. The Optional Podcast is a show all about the latest in video games and entertainment recorded each week from New York City and bounce around cables and satellites all around the world. And right into your listening device of choice, as always, I'm Paul Tamayo and I'm here with my co-host, Cam Brewster. I need a haircut. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of people do. Just don't go protest, please. Keep, oh no, keep your ass inside. Yeah. I'm ready. I'm going to City Hall today. Just going to throw a trash can through a fucking barbershop. <laughs> like, I need a shape up. Um, this week, we've got a lot to talk about, and we have an amazing guest to do it with. So, uh, without further ado, we got freelance media critic, stream coordinator extraordinaire, uh, Nico Dio. Thank you for joining us. Appreciate you. Hello, I'm Long on the optional. Long I'm so excited. Time. Yeah. Yes. You got to retire after this. You can't really do any more podcasts <laughs> after this one. I peaked. I peaked. Like, Downhill. you know, like this is, this is my career defining moment. <laughs> exactly. Best podcast. Best video game podcast. I'm calling it. I'm coming for you, Maddie. That's right. Um, but yeah, thanks for being here. What's going on? How you been? Uh, I've been doing pretty okay. You know, quarantine is as quarantine does and just, uh, you know, staying in my apartment for 50 plus days so you know just uh trying to find new ways to make everything exciting and fun and uh you know get a little get a little wild but you know not too wild i go out on my porch for like you know five minutes it's good it's good yeah so (laughs) we just discovered our roof recently and also motorcycles in brooklyn look it's gonna happen everybody we're live all right um, yeah, we just went to our roof recently. We were like, damn, our roof is actually nice. Um, I can't remember if I talked about it last week, but Cam, you remember my old roof. It was like, it, it was like so dangerous to get up to the, my old roof and now it's just like a door. And I'm like, oh my God, this is, this exists. Yeah. It had like no ledge. It's not, you're not, supposed to be <laughs> yeah, up you're not supposed to be up there at all. Um, yeah, but this new literally roof, just for the cable guy. So yeah, for sure, and and you know whoever else like parkour people. Um, yeah, but it's, this new roof is definitely an upgrade. But we went for like a walk yesterday to also get a couple of things at the uh, local grocery store. But yeah, it's tough, man. It's like I feel like I don't know being cooped up for so long. I think it's slowly starting to get to me, but I don't know. I'm trying to remain positive here, um, yeah. fill the time with good stuff. But um, for sure. yeah, we could just jump right into things um actually before we start nico i want to give you a proper introduction um for folks who don't know what you do or where you've written all that stuff give us a quick rundown like just just flex on everybody flex come on, on. Okay. okay i got the flex bomb button ready <laughs> yeah so I, I i don't get to write as much as most people do in the freelance space just because freelancing is my third hustle like i've got you know i got a day job i do stream coordinating uh for uh, a uh, like a blizzard games fan site so i stream twice a week for my job and then i stream for myself like once a week but my freelance writing has been at kotaku and Mm. waypoint which Mm. is now vice games you know i've written uh for pace games as well um i written you know i've written my own stuff on medium and things like that so I'm just all over the place, but, uh, yeah, I predominantly focus on media criticism with a feminist bend to it because that's, that's where I come from, you know, I'm a feminist, uh, have been for a very long time, and I like to look at how gender 
interplays with, you know, advertising, marketing, but also the, you know, mass media we consume. So that's always what I'm really interested in, including games, which is funny because I wasn't into video games for a large chunk of my life. So kind of coming into it late, you know, but I think that outsider perspective is uh, not only germane to, you know, so many other kinds of media, like just coming in as an outsider, I think gives you kind of an interesting perspective. So, you know. Totally, totally. Yeah, that, that's one of the things I also love to sort of talk about and, and sort of tease apart is just sort of like the cultural, you know, sort of impact that these games have and, and the things that they mm-hmm. say. And I'm, I'm a huge fan of your writing. I love your stuff. Oh, thank you. Um, thank you. Actually, one of our questions directly ties to something that you've written about in the past. So I'm excited oh, to okay. have you on the show to talk about it. Yes. Um, so I'm going to spring it up on you. I'm going I'm to have a gotcha question. Like, what about this? Oh. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. No, I'm, I'm ready. ready. You ready? All right, cool, cool, cool. Um, yeah, no, so I'm, I'm super pumped to have you on the show. Uh, I, oh, I mean, you. I love your, your general takes on, on the Twitter as well. Oh, so it's uh, thanks. Always yeah. fun to have uh, someone who at least, you know, sort of considers and thinks about the same things when it comes to games. Because, you know, yeah. a lot of podcasts out here, I'm just like, sometimes even some of my favorite podcasts, I'm like, all right, here we go again, I guess. <laughs> here we go. I, that's why I can't listen to many. It's like you yeah. and Waypoint Radio wow. are the only two gaming podcasts Bro. that I really want to listen to. Yeah, like, no, real, wow. like, real. Like, it's, I, uh, I, I don't know. I'm so hyper specific and I always want people who come to the video game space with that that vocabulary and that knowledge from other areas of media because games are not an island they're part of a huge continent and if you come to games and you don't have that like passion for things like film and tv and books and all of that like I don't you know I can't relate to you because You know, they all, you know, they all share so many different things about how they tell stories, how we as people tell stories. And Mm -hmm. I think a lot of games, people miss that, you know, totally, totally love it. You love to hear it. And 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 me and Cam's case, you love to see it because we're actually at the same time. But uh, yeah, let's just jump right into things. Um, I'm actually uh, I want to kick off the show, Nico. I need okay. you to talk to me about Overwatch because I'm over here playing Valorant. <laughs> I just got into Valorant. You know, I just got in. The, I just got in the room, and then here you are outside the room, being like, "Yo, Overwatch still cool though." So I'm <laughs> it's like, still good. <laughs> still good. <laughs> if you're curious, so tell yeah. me about Overwatch. What, what is this game, Overwatch? How, what is this? I've heard of this game. Yeah. Okay. So Overwatch, uh, Blizzard Games has been out for four years now, and it's so funny because to everybody who doesn't play Overwatch, I bet I come across as like some sort of evangelist, but to everybody who does play Overwatch, I'm the crankiest <laughs> asshole about it. And like, I'm super critical about it because that's how you, that's how it is when you play a game for a really long time or you do anything like, you know, I'm not like super smash brothers levels yet of like getting like, so super intense, but I, I think I'm close. You know, anybody who stays in a competitive scene, for multiple years, you get so invested <laughs> in how that game plays, how the community reacts to stuff, and I've always been somebody who really kind of got into Overwatch real early on, you know, back in the beta, because um, it wasn't a traditional shooter. I, I've never been into shooters, um, and it just it felt like they were really selling something different and something innovative with team-based objective-based play, you know, kind of the MMO, 
uh, League of Legends MOBA sort of holy trinity of like the tank and the support and the DPS and it was very different and so that's what got me into the game and so now four years on when it still feels like they're starting or they have been drifting closer to the tax shooter space you know in its own way um, that makes me so wary and so critical but I still play Overwatch. (laughs) So, yeah, yeah. Like, it's, I don't know. Like, so Valorant coming along and people putting them in conversation with each other automatically, it makes me have to defend Overwatch, which I hate doing. Yeah. (laughs) Because I want to be a critic. But, you know, it's, um, I don't know. It's hard. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's it's actually like, no, go ahead, Cam. No, I was going to say, like, yeah, I kind of, like, just to piggyback on what you just said, like, people comparing those two things, I was like, all right, let me, like, I loved Overwatch for a time. Mm-hmm. I, I don't play it anymore, but I, I still like the, the game a lot. Um, so I was like, let me watch some Valorant. And I was like, this nothing alike, really, like, yeah. except no. for the hero <laughs> situations. Like, yeah, but there's, like, way more, like, things out there that are, more comparable to to Overwatch than Valorant. It seems a little yeah. unfair to be honest, especially oh, since like Valorant is the new like it's like everybody wants to hang out. So it's like it just seems yeah. like I don't know. It just seems a little unfair to me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's interesting too, like thinking about life before Overwatch because we started the show pre Overwatch and then like yeah, remember like leading up to it, I was like, this looks really cool. I wasn't in the beta because I was just you know I didn't have a that PC. Game that came out, it was more of a MOBA. It was like a 3D MOBA. Oh my god! And it got crushed by Overwatch. It came out oh, like a week battle before. Battle something. Battleborn. Battleborn. Yes. 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 Oh my god! Rest oh, in peace, yo, to Battleborn. Rest in peace to Battleborn. That game was good. <laughs> it was good. Um, yeah. No, but before Overwatch, I was like, you know, all Battlefield, you know, Call of Duty, like, you know, I could shoot. You know what I'm saying? I could get a positive KD out here. You know. Um, but then I played Overwatch and it like changed everything for me because I didn't play MOBAs. I didn't play like really any PC games because I didn't have a PC outside of like CSGO on my MacBook Pro, which could still run it and like Diablo, which is like really my only into the Blizzard world. Yeah. But Overwatch yeah. really put me in a place where I was like, man, this changes everything for me. Mm-hmm. And you're right, Cam. I think like Valorant and Overwatch, I see where the comparisons are made with like the heroes and stuff or whatever, but um there is, I remember when I first hit you up um, about the show, I was asking you too, Nico, like, do you still play Valorant? And, and you know, you were like, oh, I don't know, I kind of like, you know, stopped playing it. I'm moving back into Overwatch. And there are parts of it that like kind of make me miss Overwatch. Like, mm-hmm. but there are also parts of it that make me appreciate Valorant in that way at the same time. But I really do miss being a part of like an actual team that can like, yes. you know, you know, when yeah. you, when your team is starting to pick other characters and you're like, all right, where can I fit, like fit in? Where can I support? Um, that stuff is kind of cool. I haven't quite grasped that yet with Valorant, but it's there to an extent. But um, like you gave me an example in Valorant where like, you know, a game could happen or like a round could happen where like one of your teammates just destroys the other team and you had like nothing to do with that. Nope. Um, or, you know, you're like the last person on the team and everyone's watching you and I'm usually trash. If there's like more than two people, I'm like, oh, we got to lose everybody. Like, yeah. I'm going to try to hold on to my gun. I'm going to hide in this corner over here. Um, yeah. But yeah, there is something that it makes me miss Overwatch a lot. And um, I'm just curious, um, what were some of the points that sort of 
pushed you away from from Valorant at least and back to Overwatch? Um, well, number one, like I'm never gonna be a Twitch shooter. Like that's I didn't play a lot of FPSs because they were either on consoles, which is funny. Like we're you know di- you know diametrically opposed. Where I didn't have a console until a couple of years ago, so I never I I do not have the physical coordination to mm. play on a console like i had to teach myself how to play on a ps4 controller to learn how to play dark souls on the pc to like play it better so like that's where i'm coming from and so i never was part of the console fps era completely missed it i was playing world of warcraft for 10 years <laughs> uh on the pc and so um having any first person skills came from portal (laughs) and like you know like like that sort of thing that sort of so i had to learn how to shoot and to aim in overwatch but once i got that down you know what really kind of you know the two games are so separate because it's like csgo there's a huge emphasis on aim there's a huge emphasis on slow you know slow movement and popping off and like headshots and it can be over so fast because of the way that the shooting is the the focus and the orient you know orientation for that game and the objective feels very secondary it doesn't feel as like cohesive as a team although you know with the comms and that sort of thing you can you know do these incredible flanks and like really like jump on people but it's over so fast and it's not orientated in that way so like that's what pushed me away also i can't heal in the, I mean, you can as Sage, yeah. but I have 400 hours on Mercy. It's not the same. It's not <laughs> yeah. the same at all. I want to yeah. be able to like help my yeah. team. And I yeah. remember very specifically a moment in the alpha when I played was I'm on Sage because, of course, that's the first character I'm going to pick. And, you know, I'm going to try to like main her. I'm like, okay, cool. She's got an orb. She's got a main wall. I know this. This is, this is some of She's got a res. I'm familiar with this. And so me and my teammate were like, pushing a lane and this guy whips around the corner boom just like you know gets my my teammate i'm still around the corner so i'm like okay he doesn't know i'm here so okay i like go over get the res off guy comes around the corner like taps both of us and we're dead so it was all for nothing so it didn't turn the fight it wasn't a fight it was just like boom you better aim than both of us so it was just like and that let me down so much so that's kind of I want to feel when I play a a competitive game, which is not in my nature to begin with, because I feel like a lot of competitive games are very like oriented towards a very demoralizing sort of like, you know, I'm so much better than you all. Ha trash talk, that sort of thing. Like that feels like how they're, you know, put together. Whereas overwatch, I still feel like I can make an impact. I can still help my team. We all have to work together to like, make this shit happen so yeah yeah Valorant doesn't feel like that to me in the same way so yeah i guess you know those 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 are the reasons i guess yeah that that makes a lot of sense i mean 
Yeah, for sure. I, I totally can relate. I mean, um, even just like playing the first couple games, thankfully, I think the first time ever playing it uh, was with Heather and Danny. You shout out to Danny in the Discord. Um, then they were like both showing me the ropes. Like, all right, here's, you know, what this means. Here's what, you know, short versus long. And, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, it's a bunch of different terms that I was like, what the hell are y'all talking about? And they were like talking on comms like, oh, we got guy planning at a whatever like just weird technical terms so the you know thankfully i had experience with csgo from the past so like some of the stuff felt really familiar to me especially like you know holding shift to walk and slow down your you know your movement so that they can't hear you which is like yeah, a major thing in this game <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's weird it's weird it's a very like tactical thing because the time to kill is so low that like mm-hmm. you know you really have to be careful about like moving around corners and like making sure that you check every corner so it's really slow paced and, and very very methodical way more so than like overwatch for example um mm-hmm. So thankfully I was like accustomed to that kind of pacing already, but like with all the terminology and like the buying rounds in between, there's a lot there up front that is really hard to break through that I think Overwatch does a really great job of like, you know, giving you a ton of characters to choose from, you know, more often than not, you'll find someone eventually, even after like the second or third pick that you'll really gel with and, you know, find, you know, and uh, a similar version of in a different game for example like if you're playing i don't know whatever team fortress which is a very similar uh situation but yeah i think valorant there's a lot more to get through but once you do break through that you know weird uh adjustment period it starts to click in ways that i wasn't prepared for like for it to click as quickly as it has (laughs) and i'm like i'm still trash like don't get me wrong i'm still garbage um and you know i I can still good garbage I'm good garbage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm not the worst. I'm like the second to worst person on the team usually. Um, You're like recycled so, trash. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm, you can you can repurpose me. Yeah. Exactly, right. um, so you know, I I find that um, it has some of those things that Overwatch still has that I kind of really appreciate that like I. I value now more like in mm-hmm. sort of the competitive space or multiplayer space, like the characters have personality. Um, I don't know much about the lore yet. I think overwatch also kind of had that problem at first out the gate where you're like, yeah. what the, f- what the hell's overwatch? Like what, who's yeah. this character and they're who's mom and what's going on. So, um, <laughs> you know, th- there's still some like, and like Sombra, her, her voice actor, I forget her name, but Carolina uh, Ravasa. There you go. Thank you. Uh, she's amazing, and she's a she's a character in this game, and like I love her. I love that character. So it's got that sort of like you know familiar feel of Overwatch, but it's nothing like Overwatch, yeah. even if characters have abilities and stuff. But right. um, yeah, I've actually been really really enjoying it. I'm the the one thing though that like I had to also get over was like I am slowly starting to like connect with folks who play the game online, um, whether it's through the chat or through the Discord or whatever. Um, but before I load up a game in Overwatch, I'm totally cool with like maybe not talking too much on comms or like Apex has that really good solution of like the ping system, which, you know, yeah. sometimes I just forego the mic altogether. But in Valorant, I feel like team chat or team comms are so important mm-hmm. um, that even before even before booting up the game, I think to myself, do I want to have to go through that right now? Do I want to have to like talk to people? Do I want to have to communicate what long versus short and, you know, this or that? Um so 
there is that thing that I take into consideration even before booting up the launcher. I'm like, do I want to have to do that right now? More often than not, I don't. Um, <laughs> but I'm kind of getting over it. Like even today before I streamed, I was like, do I want to stream this and be trash on the internet? And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm okay with yeah, that. I'm not yeah. I'm trying to be like the pro gamer. Y'all know what time it is. Yeah. Um, but Cam, if this comes to console, are you curious in checking this thing out? Especially if it's like, I don't know, free to play? Well, uh, I probably, I mean, I'll check it out for sure, but um, I'm actually in the process of uh, buying a PC. Ooh. Well, making a PC, <laughs> I should say. No. Nice. Yeah. Welcome to hell. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. PC gaming, the worst. I, uh, I, bought a, <laughs> I bought a desk together, uh, like, so it's coming next week. I'm really excited about that. I'm just like trying to flesh out my room. I think like all this downtime is like making my brain like, oh, spend more money. How about that? Like, just, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, <laughs> I bought a blender. I feel you. Yeah. <laughs> like, like I know I don't need good a PC, one. but it, nice. I'm going to do it. Yeah. yeah. So I'll probably like be playing it before it comes to the console. Um, nice. Nice. Yeah. Then, in the next month or so. Um, Get ready to download yeah, I mean, I've, drivers. I, we went, we've been to like huge csgo events uh maybe not like on purpose but like (laughs) (laughs) but but we've been there we enjoyed ourselves right like that kind of got me into csgo and like learning what all the terminology and actually like you know watching it as someone who's not you know wasn't playing the game at all it takes a lot to like actually understand what's going on i think you know when they make these things esports overwatch suffered from this like still i think it's yes. so complicated yeah. to to watch as a watch. If you if you never played the game before, you're like, I don't. This means nothing to me. Um, <laughs> but I've been having a good time watching Valorant online because I know how the game is like set up. Um, I know the goals. It's kind of like watching um, what's that Rainbow Six game? Uh, Siege. Siege. Yeah. yeah. Like I guess. Yeah, it just doesn't relay as much as like sports do. I guess you know. But yeah, um, it looks pretty cool. I mean. We'll we'll see how it how it turns out. I don't like the the entry system for this beta though. I think that's trash. Crazy. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I think it's kind of dumb. I I was lucky. I got in, you know, through France. Oh, excuse <laughs> so, me. Flex those uh, connections. Flex. Hey. Yeah. yeah. There you go. No big deal. <laughs> I think it's a good idea, but it just turns into like maybe it's like you know we want people to, to watch the game to better acclimate themselves when they do get in they get like a better understanding of how to actually play but most people are just going to put a pc on and just walk away go blend some shit you know like that's, that's what i did yeah that's what I, did. Uh, I just had it on in the background then i like walked away started watching devs and i just like looked at my email i was like oh nice i i got i got in yeah. um but yeah even it's funny that you mentioned that though because even watching the streams beforehand as much as i tried to pay attention and like hearing them all talk to each other on comms about like these different you know, terms and stuff. I had no sense of, I had no reference there, like no point of reference. And so playing the game for me has been so much more illuminating because I can like, also shout out to Danny also, who was like, press M to bring up your map and (laughs) it'll tell you what long and short means or whatever. Um, So seeing it firsthand has been nice, but also just sort of like, I did the same thing I did with Overwatch. Like I think the first time I ever played Overwatch, I was like, I'm going to pick Farah because I know how to shoot rockets and she looks cool as heck. And, um, you know, I'll I'll just try that out. Shout out to my rice maker in the background. It's going to be popping off right now. Um, But uh, (laughs) yeah, there it is. Here we go. Um, (laughs) 
So I, did, I kind of did the same thing here where like the first character I gravitated to, at least like visually, was Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're really cool. They got really cool voice, um, you know, lines and stuff. And I, I learned through playing them that like, oh, I actually kind of really like this character. And I like the, the sort of uh, the pacing. I haven't really grasped, you know, the meta quite just yet. Like I'm not entirely sure like what, you know, compositions are best for oh, you know, attacking that. versus play, defense. Play what you want. Yeah, that's exactly, that's my, I I was always that person in Overwatch, especially like, oh, the meta's not, you know, whatever. I was like, all right, I'll pick McCree every fucking time. Now now what? (laughs) Yeah, no, yeah. Just, just, you know, just to to go against the grain. Like, yeah. 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 I'm not, I'm not triple tanking. Oh, yeah, yeah. Totally, totally. And I've actually yeah. been fortunate too. Like the first couple of games that I played, like by myself with like mm-hmm. with nobody, like holding my hand, like like Danny, where are you? Um, uh, I got lucky, and the team was like uh, they couldn't say my name, so they always say like Mayo or they say yeah. Polly, which is actually kind of cute. I like when they say Polly; it's really adorable. Um, but they were super supportive, and they were teaching me stuff. And I was typing in the chat because my mic wasn't working. I was like, "Sorry, my mic's not working," and this is like my first time really playing this game by myself. Um, so they were really helpful and, um, I found that like, I haven't really experienced too much like toxicity just yet. Mm-hmm. I got one person in a game earlier that was like, yo, you're trash like on my team. And I was like, whatever, I don't care. Like I'll <laughs> never have to think about you ever again. Yeah, um, right. so yeah, I'm still trying to have fun with it. I'm having a lot of fun with it actually. Um, the jury's still out on whether or not I'll stick with it, but it is sort of filling a void that I didn't realize I had. And one that I mentioned last week that I've been moving away from with um, battle Royale games, um, just sort of like the quick in uh, hop in, hop out sort of team based shooter thing. And yeah. I don't know, maybe playing overwatch later will pull me back into overwatch. I don't know <laughs> if that'll happen, but I'm still like, I'm like, you know, free agent right now. I'm like Valorant overwatch, you know, Whoever's got it, yeah, whatever. I'm down. Come to death row. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, another game that uh, I guess is on both of our playlists, and I'm sure, Cam, you might still be playing it, I'm not entirely sure, but um, Animal Crossing, oh, yeah. New Horizons, uh, Nico. <laughs> yeah, I got to get your take on this one. Uh, what you doing in Animal Crossing? Making money. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Flex on it. <laughs> I've got a room full of turnips. No, I, I, well, I do have a room full of terms, but, um, this is the funniest thing. So obviously Animal Crossing came out in the time of, you know, quarantine. And so I set up my home office setup, which for people that are on the camera call, you can see it. And here's the TV. That's yeah. very useful oh, for having awesome. Animal so Crossing. So many screens in a row. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I have my two monitors set up for work. I have my, big screen TV uh, for Animal Crossing. So in between like, you know, downtime at my day job, which does have some downtime usually because I work on things on a list and and whatnot. And so it's as stuff comes in. Mm -hmm. Um, I play Animal Crossing on the big screen, but the thing that I really got into once I had kind of like progressed through the story is there's a website called Nookazon which is like mm. Amazon for Animal Crossing stuff. And Dangerous. <sighs> something in my brain just sort of like clicked on because when I played World of Warcraft for a very long time, I used to play the markets. I used to sell mm. stuff and I was very specific. I w- I used to sell when World of Warcraft introduced the ability to change the appearance of your armor. 
that was a big thing because it suddenly opened up a whole new market of selling armor for the purpose of people buying it to make their armor look good. So I got very heavy into that market and would invest in like, you know, buying low, selling high because I knew what stuff looked good because I had played the game forever. And I, you know, knew that, you know, if it had this weird color to it or if it had this certain kind of model that people would pay more money for it because it was all like a luxury sort of experience. And I have definitely gotten into that in Animal Crossing. (laughs) This is so dangerous. It is like... I spend most of my day at work with my little, like, Animal Crossing person standing out near the docks, near the airport. People run into my town. They drop the money. I give them the leave. They take the furniture. <laughs> I take the money. And they run out, like, all day, all day. Like, wow. That's so <laughs> like, cool. You're hustling out here. Yeah. No, I... Oh, God, it's bad. It's bad, but... Look, I have to pay for this house. I have to pay for Thanks. moving my villagers around. I, ha- you know, that 50, 50 yeah. grand to move a building is killing me. Right oh, now. it's steep. It's steep. And I, I have so much grid. respect for people who like have made these beautiful islands because like the yeah. work that goes into that is yeah. way <laughs> different than what I thought it was going to be when I got to the end game. I was like, oh, I'm just exactly. going to be able to pop up a map and like drop my houses where I no, nope. Uh-huh. nope. Mm-mm. You got you nope. got to measure stuff. I use dirt holes. I dig holes yes. to measure spaces. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah. My my partner's actually been going ham on that front, and uh, I've kind of like cooled off on it. I've like, sure. you know, put my foot off the gas a little bit on with Animal Crossing, but I'm still like invested in the turnip market and trying to find things that I'm missing and the optional. Discord, the Animal Crossing channel has been amazing to see folks trading stuff and we're considering doing like a uh, a swap meet where people just Ooh, drop stuff yeah. and you just pick catalog. things up to add to your catalog. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's been my favorite part that I'll continue like preaching about, which is the cooperation that happens among people, yeah. even like in different sort of friend circles. Um, it's been really fun to see firsthand, but I have definitely cooled off on it. Although this morning I was like, all right, who's got the best turnip prices? And I went <laughs> to the Discord and immediately jumped into someone's island. So uh, yeah, thanks to the Discord for, for hooking me up. Um, but yeah, um, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm kind of not sure where to go next. So I think the thing I need to do right now is sort of like take a break and play other games, sort of get my mind off of it for a while. I'll see some inspiration on the discord and on YouTube and Twitter and stuff, and then come back to it eventually. Cause I'm a little burnt out on it. Um, but it's still one of those games that's so like nice to play after a long day or even in the morning before you get yeah. to work. Or like you mentioned, I have it on a separate window. Sometimes <laughs> I'm like, I gotta check my turnips real quick while I'm reading. Like, <laughs> Yeah, it's almost twelve o'clock. Let me check. Um, yeah, but, uh, yeah. When, I have a question for you guys. When does the the art dude show up? Because he's only been random. in my island twice. It's random. Random. Yeah, oh, but the, here's the thing: he doesn't always like after like the first couple of times. It's not always apparent when he's there, but you can see his boat on your mini map if you check on your like little note. Ah. So his little boat shows up. But yeah, he he cycles through the village randomly, just like kicks and labelle gotcha. and um celeste and all of them so they kind of yeah. come through randomly but yes. yeah no yeah. he's he, frustrating so elusive i, I bought yeah. a fake nefertiti off of him i was like god damn got you got me i was yeah, like does nefertiti not... look like this is she supposed to be missing both eyes i don't know <laughs> 
Damn, got you, man. It was like a pink one too. You're like, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. I was like, uh, it'd probably be real. It's kind of cool. It's cool it's purple. Skin. I think it's purple. Um, yeah. So, uh, Cam, what have you been playing? This sounds interesting. Uh, yeah, it's a game. Uh, it was on Game Pass uh, this week. Um, a friend at work mentioned it. He was like, "Oh, you ever heard of this game?" He's like, "Take me to the moon" or something like that. And I was like, "No." And he showed me. I was like, "That's <laughs> Deliver Us the Moon," but okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. So the game is Deliver Us the Moon, and uh. The story is about like a near um, future Earth where, you know, it's basically our timeline. We're fucking up the Earth. Fossil fuels is run, you know, run dry um, and deserts are taking over. Oceans are engulfing the land. Uh, So humans have took to the moon uh, and they establish a base uh, on the moon and they're... um, they're refining a material called helium three, and then they're turning that into this energy source. And then they're beaming it through microwaves back to earth. And we're using that as our source of energy to just get by and terraform and continue living as we do. Um, but uh, where the game picks up, it's like five years after um, the moon base goes, it's like a blackout. There's no communication for five years so uh the like space force or whatever um they pull all their resources make one last rocket and they send one astronaut which is the player uh to go and check out what's going on so five years uh launching and that's where you pick up and you just basically get in this rocket it's, it, it starts off really cool like you're just like you know getting the fuel for the rocket setting up all the like pre flight checks and all this stuff and then you're in the rocket and you're pressing all the buttons and sequence and i was like oh this game is going to be like a fucking flight you know space simulator like i was like i'm kind of into this um and then you fly to the space station which is like right outside of the the moon's um orbit and it has a long like shaft that connects to the, the moon itself and is an elevator that drops down so that's how so it's like a moon base and then the moon um, I mean the space station and then the moon they're connected by this elevator so you got to fix a bunch of stuff on the, the um, on the uh, the space station and then go down to the moon and then you're just basically piecing together what would happen to everybody because no one's around it's like completely abandoned and the story doesn't take place in the game actually it, I mean it does take place in the game but it's not told to you you're picking up files you're looking at like uh these holograms um you get this like robot that can like help you out with stuff and you can kind of take control of it to get through different areas and go through pipes and stuff like that and he can display these holograms of a scene that happened in the way past um and then you're just piecing, piecing together what happened to humanity like their last hope so while you're doing that you have to turn back on this uh, refiner to get the energy back to, to earth. Um, so you're basically just like this one person team, just like going about your, your day. And uh, I, I actually dug the story a lot, like towards the end of it. Like I, I I'm really into like the finding the items, reading the description stuff. Like Paul knows that yeah. about me, like the dark souls thing where like, you know, <laughs> the story's not really there. It, you know, you're just like going boss to boss. But if you look at these items, you'll actually get a lot out of it. Um, so I guess you, you, you get back what you put into this game. Um, it's, it's about, um, four hours. Um, I beat Beautiful. it in like two settings, yeah. which was, which so was pretty good. nice. So yeah. Good. Delicious. It's like <laughs> what I needed. Yeah. I was like, Ooh, that was nice. 
Uh, I wasn't really too hot on the actual gameplay. It's kind of like a walking sim. The controls are a little clunky. Um, you swatch, you swip, um, swatch, swatch, uh, switch from uh, first person to third person, and then vice versa, depending on the the situation. And then in between, you're like, you know, they have these big set pieces where you're like blown out of an airlock, and you got to like, you're just floating like in the uh, gravity, uh, you know. So you're like. Like literally, that's like a scene from Gravity. You're just like spinning in space. And you just gotta make your <laughs> yeah, way back, yeah. and you gotta collect the oxygen along the way. And you know, he's like, "I'm not gonna make it." It's counting down and um, stuff like that. And then there's like, you have this like laser that you can cut things with. It's it's not too like interesting in the gameplay front, but I think yeah. the story was actually really really good. I thought it was a cool that's little awesome. story. Yeah. So. I enjoyed it, it. Really and, cool. and some of the like the the music is really good. It has that like really somber, like kind of like Moonlight Sonata kind of vibe to it. Um, so I was like, it's really vibey. It's a pretty cool vibey game. But I, I think I enjoyed play... my time with it. Did you ever play Tacoma? Because that sounds yeah, a lot it's, like... it's very similar to that, with, oh, okay, especially with cool. the, like the holograms and stuff. Yeah, you know, yeah, just, yeah, no, that's what, yeah. when you said that I was thinking. Of, I was like, yeah. well, it sounds like Tacoma. It definitely, that, I really that's the first thing. Tacoma. I so like, I might have to check this yeah, out. Check if it's, out if it's um, on if it's on uh, Game Pass. Yeah, Game uh, Pass. I'll see if it's on PC too. So. Same, same. Game Pass yeah. continues yeah. to be like, the shit. So yeah, yeah. oh, absolutely. So good, seriously. But yeah, killing it with that. I'm like. I, I was like thinking about it this morning because I beat it last night, and then I was like thinking about it this morning. I was like, that was actually pretty good story. It's like pretty tragic and you know sad, and you know it's just like I don't know. It's right on time for what we're going through in this this planet, and <laughs> obviously, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. It's interesting, like gravitating towards those kinds of games, especially right now where you're like fixing things or like mm-hmm. you know sort of trying to repair stuff, like. I've I've kind of felt the need for that kind of thing and I've like been curious to maybe even jump back into No Man's Sky which is a thing that I completely abandoned at some point when I was like <sighs> mid midway through certain projects so it was like th- you're right this is a perfect time to sort of especially if it's like a bite-sized you know bite-sized four hours that's not really like yeah, a no. bite-sized things for for most people but for games it's like oh my god that's like a nice little snack um <laughs> it, so took, it took me a little longer because i was like trying to collect all the stuff just to get more of the story you know i was like mm-hmm. yeah i'm kind of hungry so you can probably finish this in like three three hours nice so. damn keeps getting better um, <laughs> short game love a short yeah. game love yeah. a short game we stand a short game um yeah, that's cool, man. So that's deliver us the moon, yeah, not yeah. take us to the moon. No, uh, no so... definitely not take us to the moon. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, the only thing on my playlist, uh, in addition to the things we already talked about, uh, still doing Ring Fit. This was r- week hey. five of Ring Fit. And I'm, look, listen, this uh, this pandemic is not going to take your boy down. I'm, I'm, I'm coming out this thing with my, with my beach body, this non-existent summer. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm be out here. I'm going to be taking selfies. Um, but then... Besides that, I had to take a break actually because I'm old now. And uh, I think I don't know if I mentioned this on the stream or on the show yet, but elbow was kind of messing up and my knee was messing up. Oh yeah, so you I had to like, yeah. yeah. So I took like a day off, took a day or two off because I was like, damn, I'm like, I can't be out here, you know, like I'm not 20 anymore. I can't just just go super hard at this anymore. Right. So took a couple of days off. I'm gonna go back at it today. Uh, hopefully, nothing else breaks in in the process. <laughs> oh, my volume just got super loud. Sorry if I got loud for you guys. I don't know how that happened, but um. 
in addition to that, actually, an update to Okami, um, a game that I talked about last week that I was like, oh, yeah, this is kind of, it starts off really slow and it's like really uh, dialogue heavy at the top. And um, I tried to jump back into it again the other the other night and I was really having a hard time with it. I was like, you know, the camera fights you at every turn, literally. Um, the controls are a little floaty in a way that I wasn't like, it wasn't gelling. And um, I could, I still think the art style is like, absolutely gorgeous shout out to the person right uh driving right past my apartment blasting that reggaeton um but i uh you know i I was still enjoying certain aspects of it but there were things that were rubbing up against my patience for or my tolerance for those kind of things overall that i eventually had to like put it down i don't think i could finish this game um and i kind of always feel guilty when that happens when there's a game that everybody loves or it feels like everybody loves and, you know, you go back to that game that you never experienced the first time around, which is also kind of related to a question that we'll circle back to later, um, especially in relation to um, something that, Nico, you've written in the past. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I didn't, I don't have that nostalgia for this game. I I've, I hear about all the, like, you know, the respect it has and the love that it's gained from folks who played it way back when on PS2 or even the Wii, which is apparently the best version. Um, so... I felt bad about that. I was like, man, I can't, I can't get through these faults. They're just too painful for me. So I posed the question in the Discord and I put it on Twitter too, mostly to just get some like confirmation bias and be like, it's not just me, right? It's, you know, it's not just it's not just The Witcher 3 again, right? It's like, not just me. Um, so I put the question out and a lot of folks were like, yeah, I couldn't get through it. And I was specifically interested in like hearing from folks. I wanted to hear from everybody, but I was also like particularly interested in hearing from people who didn't play the original Mm -hmm. when it came out way back when I wanted to hear from people who are like me playing it for the first time and visiting this, you know, remaster. Um, And yeah, a lot of folks were like, I couldn't get through the first couple, you know, things, worlds or whatever. And uh, I have, you know, I fell out of it for the same reasons or whatever. So it felt kind of good to at least like know that it wasn't just me and I can still like respect what it did and and at the, especially at that time um but in 2020 for me it just like it's too much it's too clunky like the camera again the the controls the 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 pacing was super slow and um it's just like a pass for me it's 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 unfortunately a pass but I could still like I still might watch a let's play or I'm going to read more about it in general just to get sort of pick apart what folks really value from that game. But it's tough when you're like visiting these old remasters. um, And I'm curious to see if they'll ever go back to that series or make a a proper remake or maybe a proper sequel. Cause then I'd be pretty interested in that. But yeah, man, Okami, I have to like put it down. I got to put it on the, uh, that's a pass pile. That's Capcom, right? Yeah, it was Capcom. Yeah. Yeah. And it plays like a Zelda game. For sure. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but some, I mean, you guys some things, it? yeah, I played a little bit of it back in the day, but some yeah. things just need to stay where they were. They don't need to bring everything back. Some things are yeah. better, like left in the periphery, you know? Yeah. It made me feel a little better when I, uh, I remember at the time when it came out, the remaster, when it came out, cause there was another HD remaster for like PS3 or something. I forgot. But, um, Tim had made a video about it and I like I didn't watch it because I was like, ah, I'm not gonna play this game. I don't wanna play this. And then someone recently recommended it to me and I was like, uh, you know, oh yeah, I'll finally check it out. But I went back and watched the video and I was like, oh cool, like you didn't like it for the same reasons. I feel a little bit better about myself. Like I'm not just the only loser <laughs> yeah. out here, like with the Witcher 3 hater flag by myself. <laughs> um 
All right, cool. Um, let's jump into the news for the week. Um, kicking things off um, in the Discord, actually, last minute before the thing went live on Thursday, I believe it was. I was like, hey, does anybody want to jump into the voice channel and just talk while this thing happens? And yeah, it was kind of nice. We got a bunch of people in there talking while things were being revealed. So this was the first sort of showcase for the Xbox Series X. Um, it was specifically um, showing third-party stuff, nothing really like you know exclusive, um, but even though it kept saying like world premiere or whatever. <laughs> but we did get to see a couple cool things, some quote-unquote gameplay trailers, uh, but we'll get into that in a little second. So we saw, um, yeah, the first of all, <laughs> shout out to uh, was it Ethan. Yeah, Ethan wrote this. They kicked it off with like a Zoom call. Like Everybody was like at home, like <laughs> you know, the developers and the hosts, everybody like from the team, they were all sort of calling in from home, probably using Skype, because that's Microsoft, I think now officially. Um, yeah. So yeah, they kicked things off. Uh, first with Bright Memory Infinite. It's an upcoming first-person shooter action game that they claimed was all, you know, running in-engine and it looked really uh, incredible. I think they said it was also like a one-man team or something yeah, like that. Yeah, it was which one was dude. Amazing. Uh, wild. Kind of wild that we're, we're already there. Um, Cam, I don't, I'm curious if you're excited about this one. Dirt 5 was announced and it can be played at 120 frames per second, apparently, uh, at 4K. Or let, 4K and at 60 frames. Let me just um, say, like... Everything in that they showed looked exactly the same to me. And the only breaks were yeah. dirt. Like I was like, Oh, that's a car. I can see that's a car. <laughs> I know that's a car. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there was another one that was like really pretty looking. It was like it looked like a kind of I don't know, they were just walking around. I can't remember what it's called, but uh Call of yeah. the Sea. That looked I was like, Oh, that looks different. Like, you know, like yeah. everything else was just dark and muddy and I was like, I don't know what I'm looking at. Like I was at work and I was watching it and I was like doing work and I kept like glancing back and I was like, is this the same game? Like, (laughs) I don't know if this is the same game or not, but yeah. So, I mean, yeah, Dirt, I mean, I I like that series a lot. So I'll I'll definitely like check it out. Yeah, there was a lot of like interesting little like highlights, like you mentioned. I I agree. Some things were like, what? What what am I looking at? Like, um, (laughs) I couldn't tell how to pronounce that one game, like. Cor- chorus it's or? chorus but it's like chorus chorus chorves chorves, chorves. chorves. yeah it's like chorves okay Fancy chorves, uh, mate. yeah we'll play some chorves. yeah they're um, definitely offering you some chorves Jeez. yeah but um yeah you know a lot of companies working on stuff we got a bloodlines 2 trailer we got a scarlet that nexus anime is heck game from bandai namco we got to look at yakuza like a dragon i think it's coming uh, launch for xbox series x and of course we got the valhalla gameplay quote-unquote trailer but nico i'm curious were were there any like standouts for you or how'd you feel about the thing overall um it's it's so funny because like i have watched so many pressers um you know just for my own edification um you know because also you can just pitch stuff like this i don't own an xbox but i'm always interested in seeing what they're going to be doing on the consoles eventually because I love games marketing. I love how games are marketed because that's usually where you see a lot of like the disconnects between the actual developer and like what the marketing mm-hmm. decides to do and what audience are trying to go for. This was like a little bit underwhelming for me um, because I know that we're going to get like all the first party Xbox stuff later in the summer when they do their big, you know, whatever and Halo and it's going to be all that. But like, um, I always watch this stuff for, like, how women show up, you know, like, you know, women in particular show up in these sorts of stuff. And so, um, Call of the Sea looked really 
fascinating. I, you know, I always like puzzles and stories and stuff like that. Um, also the, the vamp, the, like the vampire, the masquerade that also looked cool, but I'm, I think I'm a little biased cause I think one of my friends is like doing narrative stuff on that. Um, but I also like vampires. Um, <laughs> but the thing that really got me was the medium, which is again, by this like team called the blooper team. And so everybody was like making fun of their name, which, you know, it's a great name, but like, I thought it was really interesting because it also kind of just looked like everything that they were showing, which was like dark and like, you know, <laughs> it's like beautifully rendered, but it's just like dark and everything looks dank and it's a, but like it opens up with like a woman giving birth or like is like massively pregnant. And I was just like, are they just kind of, what are they trying to say here? Just like, are they going to go down the road of like a ha- babies and pregnancy sort of like tap you into the, world of the dead sort of all the death stranding like what is mm. i can't deal with this <laughs> like that was yeah. the thing that really stuck out to me was like what is this horror game gonna be about why is there a pregnant woman in this trailer i don't get this but you know this woman she can communicate with the dead but also like the world of the dead is like representative of like people's like hidden intentions and the world of the dead can like influence people's psyche I don't know it looked pretty wild but I always like stuff like that is part of the fun and the spectacle for me so I'll definitely gonna like try and check that out a little further because that just looks weird (laughs) yeah yeah It's interesting you bring that up too because when they showed off the Scorn trailer, I had a lot of the same thoughts of like a lot of that imagery was like really intense and not subtle at all. So I'm like, oh, yeah, super horny. Like they were like they must have had like some HR Geiger on in the background while they were looking at some other stuff. I was just like, are they just gonna rip off HR Geiger this entire time? Like (laughs) is that just what's happening here? Because that just yeah, but there was like very clearly like a like a pregnant. You know, yeah. like whatever, yeah. and then there was like just weird shapes on screen. I'll just say there was um, pulsating. Yeah, a lot of pulsating. A lot of things were like a lot just of fucking vaginas, a lot of fucking dicks. Yeah, yeah there yeah. was so much. A lot of dicks. I was like, what? A lot of dicks. A lot of dicks. Yeah. A lot of dripping. A lot of dicks. Oh, yeah, yeah, this is like yeah. it, it. Like happened at like one in the afternoon or something like that. Was yeah. like, it's a little too early. It's a little I was like, too let early. me get let me get lunch first, man. Goddamn. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I, I think overall, though, with the uh, you know entire conference, also, I mean, Assassin's Creed Valhalla looks really cool. I'm kind of excited to play that game. Also, very curious to see like how certain things continue to evolve with that series because I jumped on super late to that series, and you know, I jumped on basically with Origins that I fell off, but then Odyssey really sort of stole my heart. I love that game a lot. Um, but I think overall, the presentation, I was actually kind of like cool. I mean, I was actually. I enjoyed it. I kind of really appreciated seeing developers calling in from home or from their offices and the laid back nature of it. I'm sure they had notes pulled up that they could, you know, reference at all times. So it felt very nice to see that um, as opposed to the onstage presentation where like things are always going to happen. They're like, they're going to be like gamers. Am I right? Let me see that passion, baby. Like firing off t-shirts. Yeah. Yeah, Or they like lower a car from the ceiling. (laughs) Like 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 that Forza presentation when you're in E3 where they lowered a complete car from the ceiling. Yeah. But yeah, I think overall, I really appreciated how laid back everybody felt. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, it's a nice change of pace. I know we're going to be seeing this a lot more, especially with COVID and everything still going on. So it was kind of nice to see that. I hope we get to, I'm curious to see what 
or how PlayStation and everyone else sort of starts to tackle this, especially with some other stuff in the news. Actually, I might just jump to that story. I might skip ahead. Uh, we're going to go out of order here, but um, I'm taking this from US Gamer. But Tokyo Game Show 2020 canceled. We'll move to digital event instead. So um, yeah, another end person gaming event has been called off due to concerns over the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic. This year's Tokyo Game Show has been called off with the event moving online in its place. Originally scheduled to take place September 24th through the 27th, Tokyo Game Show has frequently been a hub of news during late summer to early fall. But because of the ongoing global health crisis, the organizers of TGS 2020 are moving the online or the show to online venues. So, I mean, kind of picking up the same theme here with uh, the xbox event at least uh tokyo game show has always been kind of cool to watch videos from like the the show floor because it's yeah. one of the only shows that still really goes hard um even sometimes more so than like e3 or whatever and it's, it's kind of cool to see what um booths are there and what people are showing and you know sometimes we, we've gotten really cool things with like developers especially on the japanese side talking about like gameplay walk through things with death stranding the year before and and things that we're probably going to miss this time around hopefully not maybe we can get some sort of digital version of that uh that's uh that was what's his name from death stranding driving by cam's apartment <laughs> on a motorcycle um, so sorry. but yeah no i'm curious uh nico to get your take on tgs canceled but now becoming a digital event there i think that games stuff moving to digital events kind of shows that those things are possible and it's just going to become another sort of question as to how media companies are going to do these massive press events because, and I think that was already a question as you know, like E3 last year was a massive question mark because the floor was so empty and so many companies started moving their big, like fanfare sort of things to doing like their own like little you know like a nintendo direct and like a sony event and this that and the other thing so i i just wonder if this is going to just become the standard moving forward um because the expense of sending teams to these things Mm -hmm. like like tokyo game show or or things like gamescom which is kind of like the europe version of tokyo game show um it's it doesn't feel feasible for a lot of people. We're not in that world anymore with media budgets as well. So yeah. it's it's hard. It's hard to say if this is going to just become the standard moving forward. But it's, it, you know, if Tokyo Game Show is not having an event this year, I feel like that, that, that was one of the biggest. And so it just kind of, you know, it's, it's sad. But on the other hand, it's like, you know, it, so many things with video games now are so digestible for press and fans Mm -hmm. as digital versions with the exception of press having that access to developers on the floor to get those interviews and things like that that's the only thing i feel really bad about is that like getting a hands-on as a press person is still really important and having that time with the developer, you know, or with a PR person to like really kind of contextualize it, to be able to bring that to fans. That's still something you're never going to get from marketing because a lot of this is still marketing, but that contextualization that press has always had to have, like, that's the only thing I really feel, you know, we're really going to be missing this year. So it's going to be a lot of advertising and not as much like, well, this is what our intentions were with this game, and this is, you know, this is how it actually handles, you know, things like that. That's the only thing that, you you know, we're going to be really missing from a hands-on, so. Yeah, yeah. Cam, what do you think about 
TGS 2020 digital. Yeah, I, I, I mirror those same sentiments. I, I think people are realizing that a lot. This is probably the way to go from now on. Um, but yeah, I didn't really, it didn't really dawn on me to think about like, yeah, you, we are missing out on those, uh, those kind of candid moments where you can get a good question in to a developer, and you know, that's that's a good way to like differentiate like the different media outlets and stuff like that, but. I think yeah, I think this is kind of long overdue though. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no need to like pack so many people into an auditorium for this, you know. Like, yeah. yeah. On on the press side of things, I'm very curious to see. Maybe not with TGS, but um, or I don't know. Maybe some colleagues who are abroad might have better access to things like that. But I'm curious, like with E3 and other, you know, Gamescom or whatever moving forward, if developers are going to be sending like, you know playable builds to journalists or like because that's the thing that i get nervous about too is like it's really easy for this to be like ah yes finally we've gotten rid of the like you know event (laughs) where these you know press sneak fucks come by and they (laughs) just like play games um and they talk shit about us so i'm curious if you know i hope that doesn't get lost because i feel you know my black mirror dystopian prediction would be yeah these events are digital now and you can just stream them and you can watch your favorite, you know, Twitch streamer or YouTuber play this game. But then you're also, you know, raising red flags because you're like, these motherfuckers are getting paid and they're getting, you know, they're, yeah. they're real chummy with these companies. So I just hope that, you know, that's a general sort of existential crisis that's that we're all sort of dealing with at the moment in terms of like media and, and whatever. But um, I just hope that doesn't get lost because uh, I value that way more than just like watching my favorite YouTuber or a Twitch streamer yeah, be like, yeah, you know, sure. and, and they're getting better at it too, obviously, mostly for like fucking legal reasons to be like, <laughs> they sent me a code and I promise like I'm working with them. It's like sponsored by this person. So I just hope that doesn't get lost in the equation in, in the shuffle. So yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how 2020 plays out in that regard. And also just like with my own work, if I, you know, how's that going to play out with uh, my coverage of these events? If, if there is any coverage, you know, like, so yeah. I guess we'll see. Yeah. Um, all right, cool. Moving right along. Uh, this one's a really quick one. I just wanted to point this out because we talked about it before in terms of like the digital sales, but I think these are the official numbers now. Uh, Nintendo, taking this from Polygon, uh, sold 13.41 million copies of Animal Crossing New Horizons in six weeks. And apparently it's the best start ever for a Nintendo Switch game. Yeah, previously we talked about the digital sales being somewhere around like 5 million or something. But um, yeah, apparently uh, the vast majority of those sales, 11.77 million, came in the first 11 days from the game's March 20 debut to March 31st, which is also something to... I guess take note of is like wasn't even a full like month <laughs> they just like destroyed these sales numbers I think it's also just sort of very telling of the times that we're currently living in where we're just like man I just want a vacation um yeah wait so I'm curious to just take a quick poll here do we all own this game digitally or do you guys have carts for it yeah I, I only digital? buy it uh digital yeah yeah digital. same yeah. same yeah I've been moving away from cartridges uh as I get older, I'm just like, I don't have my apartment system the space. I don't have the space. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or like if I'm, if I'm traveling with the Switch, I don't want to have to be like fumbling for carts if I'm on the plane. Like, oh God. Yeah. Uh, I forgot to pack Mario or whatever. Um, but yeah, pretty wild. I just wanted to point that out. Um, man, Animal Crossing continuing to like <laughs> just blow everything out the water in terms of that. Like, I don't know. But still, fix that online, Nintendo. Please, Jesus. <laughs> Please. Not going to um, do it. 
<laughs> not going to do it. They don't, they don't give a shit. Um, this next story, uh, someone put into the Discord that I was very curious about. I don't follow Al that much. Um, definitely like tune in every once in a while when it's like, you know, the finals or whatever. But um, this one's interesting. This was taken from sportsnet.ca, but how the Vancouver Titans collapsed and are rebuilding from scratch, from scratch rather. So I'm, I'm curious, um, Nico, to get your take on this as someone who's really into Overwatch and sort of, I think you have somewhat of an interest in Owl as well, but... This uh, this team in particular has been through a hell of a lot of things that I've that I'm just now you know learning about, and in particular with everything going on with COVID nineteen. Essentially, the long and short of it is the team basically disbanded. They all sort of left the team. Um, a lot of the players were from South Korea, so that played a large part in why they were unable to really support the team abroad. And as a result, they basically built the team up from scratch again with a lot of folks coming from the USA and Canada and even from France and Saudi Arabia, apparently. Um, I'm curious to get your take on this whole story because it is kind of a fascinating, um, I guess, peek inside the world of esports and how that's all shaking out. Yeah, I really hope that and there has been some writing already going up about this but i really kind of wish that we still had like you know a compete or a dead spin or a grandland take on this because this is a way bigger story than i think most people realize is like so okay so to give it the long and short the vancouver titans technically are our an esports franchise for the overwatch league and overwatch league has been going for like two two years now and it definitely had like this massive impact on overwatch the game because now it suddenly had to be a game with a competitive scene in the ladder and an esports franchise that had to make money and those two things have always had this friction with how the game reacts to this and you know well i feel i'm making hand motions that nobody else <laughs> so Vancouver Titans came into the scene last year and it was just one of those unbelievable stories because the Vancouver Titans were basically like purchased wholesale. They weren't form the the team wasn't put together like every other roster in the Overwatch League has been so far. The Vancouver Titans were just rebranded Runaway. And Runaway was one of the most winningness winningest esports teams in the overwatch scene as it has existed it is an extremely talented roster it was put together in like 2017 by like a a partnership like a a, like a boyfriend and girlfriend at the time um uh flowervin and runner who are also i think in the esports scene or you know competitive players and they originally started the team and then built the roster up with their own money. So it was like this like underdog story, but they eventually put together this roster in the apex scene, which was the Korean overwatch scene before overwatch league got started, which again, is this whole other tragedy of like overwatch league, basically crushing Korea's own competitive scene. Mm -hmm. Um, And runaway just dominated. They just dominated. They, when they, finally came in they started to like crush all of the other like really big heavy hitters in that scene um and they weren't like backed by a massive company like so many other teams so when the vancouver titans was basically just rebranded runaway they had a leg up on every other team who had a roster that was like a bunch of 
players from, you know, tier two and tier three Overwatch, or like they all spoke different languages. So there was like a language barrier. The Runaway had been together as a solid unit for two years before they ever came to Overwatch League. So they had that, and they're all South Korean, so they had no language barrier. Mm. They knew each other like right. to death and like could just like a cohesive unit. So they just came into the Overwatch League and just started destroying people which made sense because it was it's like if somebody like was like uh i'm gonna like you know the best people in the whole world and they've all worked together and here have fun and they just (laughs) they just dominate everybody so this happening is a massive tragedy because it's basically mismanagement of you know it's showing the 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 real problems of overwatch league which is that esports is the hottest new commodity for rich people to get into, you know, not content to just own traditional sports teams. Now you have people getting in on esports because it's the wave of the future. And mm-hmm. the big thing that jumped out to everybody in the community about this um, sportsnet.ca piece was um, this like poll quote right at the end, which is the, um, I believe the, like the owner from the Canucks sports and entertainment, like, you know, franchise that owned the team said, I'm not going to say something that's not factual, but Korean players are the best Overwatch League players in the world. And I think that's an objective fact here. But I think for us, these guys didn't speak English. We didn't speak Korean. We had a translator that we hired later on in the season of last year. And this guy basically goes on to basically admit that a Canadian franchise owner and management team bought an entire roster of South Korean players and then didn't furnish them with a single translator for six full months and was basically confused about like, what, you have to like treat them like people (laughs) and like house them and give them food and they're all like human beings and not just like abstract commodities that you just keep in a house and they just get good at video games. Like it's wild. Mm -hmm. So yeah. All of them walking off, you know, after dealing with this sort of thing and have and really struggling to try and play this game, you know, abroad from their homes to maintain like social distancing practices in South Korea, but also Overwatch League putting that stress on them, trying to cope with having an esports like tournament, you know, like or, you know, esports games every week during COVID when like people have to be at home and they had this whole like world tour planned of like homesteads and people being in like different places along the world and doing tours. Like it's a confluence of so many different things, like all kind of like hitting all at once and just basically shows that like, this is still such a new, this is still such a new area of video game. You know, like esports has been around for a long time, but a lot of people getting into it now with a lot of money and very little understanding of what they're attempting yeah. to do has ultimately ruined it for, you know, these, these, these are all kids. They're all under 26 because yeah. you're considered yeah. old and retired when you hit like 25 because <laughs> your body fails you, you know, like, yeah. so these are all like teenagers and they're getting really screwed by these dudes with like millions and millions of dollars who have no idea what they're doing and don't know how to manage anything. So it's just like, it's unfortunate. This was, this could have been like, a dynasty of like talented players and and it's just over that's like terrible. everything yeah. that 
everything that they built for years is gone. You know, I think that's one of the main issues that that you brought up is like the things that I rubbed up against the hardest with Overwatch League was like, you know, yeah, we have a New York team or we have a whatever, and like I'm supposed to feel some sort of sense of pride with the NYXL or whatever, um, but you know, it's not like. I could go see them regularly or, you know, I'm sure there's bars and stuff that show it, of course. And I know people who organize events for them and stuff, but um, it just felt weird to just be like, okay, we have this team and they're like mostly all South Korean players. And, you know, like, all right, cool. Like that, that's cool. I can, I can get behind that. But there's still this sort of like disconnect and with the story, at least this lack of support for certain teams that you mentioned really points out these really, you know, challenging hurdles that esports have to figure out and i don't know with i, I mean at least we, we get to see them sort of i don't know have they played any games yet the new team or uh no because it just got put together like this week so i don't think they've played <laughs> anything yet yeah, yeah they don't like, even know each other yet they yeah they even, don't like, even know yeah no, they were sending people yeah. like fucking invitations on xbox like hey yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey wanna just free <laughs> you up and I feel bad um, for them because these are probably all very talented players oh, no, who are sure. getting their first shot, who are coming out of like, you know, um, tier two Overwatch, which again is another scene that has gotten criminally underfunded, like uh, Overwatch Contenders it's called. And like, I feel so bad for them because you know what, you know, Titans fans, hardcore, because they're all Runaways fans. They're all, you know, like it's, you know, so it's like the Yankees of, of yeah. uh, esports and like. I feel all bad for these guys because they're also walking into a situation of like the money's too good. The money is too good, but they know that this management has something has a stink all over them. You know, if they if they play this right, yeah. they could get the bag though. I'm I'm, I'm confident. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure someone's out there Never like that. yeah about to capitalize off their situation. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, cool. Thank you for breaking that yeah, down. That was, I had no <laughs> context, no sense of context. Yeah, yeah seriously. Um, all right, cool. And our final story, uh, I like hesitated on like, adding this to the show notes, but I feel like we should talk about this. Uh, PewDiePie signs exclusive ex- exclusivity deal. Excuse me, uh, with YouTube video platform secures live streaming rights for its most subscribed content creator with. 104 million followers. So I'm taking this from gamesindustry.biz. But YouTube uh, earlier this week announced that it has signed an exclusive live streaming deal with Felix PewDiePie. I forgot to say his last name. Kelberg? Kel- Kelberg? I don't Kel- know. Kel- um, Kelberg, yeah. Kelberg, yeah. Who has been one of the platform's biggest content creator for years. Terms of the deal were not disclosed. Um, but essentially, yeah, they signed a deal with uh, PewDiePie and there was actually a really good piece that Chase linked to in the Discord. Um that sort of lays out just the quotes and stuff that he's sort of done just to remind folks like, you know, it's very strange. I mean, last week we talked about another problematic content, gaming content creator. Um, And in this case, we see another guy winning again and, you know, talking about securing the bag. I'm sure that this has been a really big lucrative deal for for this guy and who continues to, you know, make mistake after mistake. We've seen the long list of offense that I've, We'll get into, but um, Cam, I'm curious to get your take on PewDiePie signing an exclusivity deal with YouTube in the year 2020. I'm just so like, I, YouTube can never surprise me anymore, though. Like, they're so good at rewarding shitty people. Like, that's like their brand now. Oh, yeah. Like, they just do that. It, it must be so like discouraging to the people who are trying to, you know, build positive communities and they fought, they're following all the like, 
the the rules that like basically all came from him his it was his fault youtube is the way it is now like so strict and and stuff like that so it just seems weird that they're like hey here's all this money you know sign with us and you know it's going to be even harder for people to even get started in youtube especially like women and people of color like man it, it, it's it's rough like you like yeah. i was trying to name five black creators that are like making like get over like 500 uh thousand uh viewers and it's, it's impossible it's like it's not it doesn't exist and they're like these are not the problematic ones these are just <laughs> like i'm i'm like <laughs> i'm the bar is super low you know what i'm saying like these are <laughs> right, you yeah. know like now factor in all that stuff like man the people who are not making shitty jokes are you know they're just at a disadvantage. You can be a full-on Nazi, and they're just going to give you the bag. It's it's, it's wild. So you, yeah, it, it's, it's more YouTube than him, you know, because he's an easy problem to solve. Yeah, I, I could see that. I, I feel like also just I don't know the continuous like slap on the wrist for these folks yeah. um, is completely like demoralizing sometimes, and you're like, man, why am I doing this again? Like we talked about it last week, yeah. and we're like why the fuck do I care so much about this space when, you know, the majority, at least in terms of like PewDiePie's audience, um, you got to imagine a lot of them are really young and, and, and that's part of the problem too, right? They're very impressionable. And, um, that's kind of the things that we're asking for just some sort of like, I don't know, some sort of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, accountability, right? Like if I were to do that shit, I would expect folks to get mad at me and, and penalize me in some way. And when we talk about PewDiePie so often, it's like, how many fucking times are we going to give this guy a pass? Like he, he lost me like way back when, even before like, you know, his third or fourth, uh, offense. But, um, I don't know, man, it, it, it gets tiring to have to talk about these folks over and over again, but I feel like it's important at least to bring up, yeah. but, um, don't want to harp on it too much, but Nico, I'm curious if you got any take, any takes on PewDiePie landing a deal with YouTube. And how, <laughs> like they, they canceled his show. Like he got canceled his show got canceled because of the whole thing with like well everything he's ever did yeah. you know at that point and <laughs> yes. i like i kind of see it as sort of like when you're talking about like well why do i continue to invest my time in these spaces and it's hard because like you know like last week dr disrespect is on twitch like spouting like COVID 19 conspiracies and you know he fills yeah. in people's bathrooms like like i don't understand why these guys get so much money is because they make them so much money so they clearly have no actual real problem because it makes them money and that's the bottom line and that's so depressing and i know we all know that that's how the world works but it makes you yeah it makes you not want to be a part of it anymore because it's just like cool this is (laughs) what you have to be to succeed on this platform you can't just like make good content and be a good person and you know try and skate by because number one you're never going to get that big because of who you are and number two the the community and the the audience that's going to be out there is going to be so heavily dominated by people that think like him versus care about somebody like you so it's no it's frustrating it's extremely hard it's just like he's never gonna he's never gonna really suffer any consequences 
ever. No, he's still never, he's gonna just never. continue being a millionaire. It's fine. Whatever. Yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> and I, it also makes me question too. Like Cam, you actually brought up a really good point last week about uh, Twitch and like at what point are we gonna hold the people who you know reward these kinds of behaviors? At what point are we gonna start holding them accountable on some like maybe even some like like a like a like a practical level, right? Like what you know that that's like a whole nother bag of worms that we could open up but um it makes me question too right like how do these things actually work on the back end or like what what algorithms are like pushing certain content creators versus others because even when i was looking at streamers to watch for the valorant key i was having a hard time finding like streamers who i'm gonna be real like weren't white weren't toxic i found like one or two that were like family friendly and they were like chill and i was like all right word i put them onto the background but even then like actively seeking out like black content creators latinx content creators you know like what all kinds of like diverse content creators but the majority of the people who are not only just like again another whole can of worms but not only are the people who are like you know who have the access to the equipment to the internet speeds to the games themselves are going to be from a specific kind of background. Um, like where, where's the effort being made? And maybe that's already being, maybe that's already happening. I hope it's happening. If not, maybe I'm fuck. Maybe I'll start it. But like, <laughs> um, you know, like where are the platforms and, and channels and, and groups? And I know there's communities that exist that like, you know, all sort of share each other's stuff and I'm sort of finding it on Twitter, but I feel like after a certain point we have to either make alternative, um, like feeds or curation systems or something because like the way things are set up just off jump, like we're always going to see that wall of a specific kind of content creator with the same led, you know, Phillips hue ass <laughs> background and like, you know, the problematic slip like word slip or two or whatever. But um, yeah, it just raises a lot of questions for me. Sometimes it, it can feel overwhelming and like demoralizing, but you know, you also got to channel that energy into like, trying to foster cool communities and like link up with people who are actually asking those questions and um, seeking those people out. Because I think there are more of us out there. I just think we're not like, you know, we all just got to like, Hey. Oh yeah, like, for oh, sure. No. You gotta, you gotta hit that bat signal. And I, I, I do think that there's way more people who are, you know, trying to do good and make good content yeah. and build strong, positive communities, you know, um, like, I mean, even our show, like we're trying to grow and we, we try to keep it chill and try to, you know, get as many perspectives as we can, but you know, to a certain, we all got to unionize, right? We all got to unionize. Right. That's right. Let's go. Talk that talk. Nico. Because we always have to treat ourselves like singular brands. That's why we don't want to reach out because we'll alienate yep. our business model, but we got to get together and right. ask for it. more. That's right. So you heard it here first, Nico, the official third co-host. <laughs> uh, no more crumbs. No, that, that, that's real. Yeah, <laughs> that's true, man. Uh, all all good, valid points. Yeah. Um, all right, cool. Y'all good? Need a break? Can we just jump into the second Let's half go. of the show? I'm ready. We I good? Got, I got Gucci. All right, cool. Got you got your drinks. Everybody's got your drinks. We good? Yep. All right, cool. Here we go. Jumping into questions. If you have any questions for us, please feel free to send an email directly to us at questions at the-optional.com or you can drop into our Discord questions channel, which I highly recommend checking out. It's, it's going to be in the show notes and our newsletter, shameless plug. Or you can record us a voice message using the Anchor app on your phone. If you go to anchor.fm slash the optional podcast, you'll find links there. So Mo writes in, um, 
Is there any media that you liked when you were younger that you're hesitant to go back to because you'd rather have your memory of it rather than the reality and think will have it and think it will have aged poorly? Even if you can't think of anything specific, how do you navigate that divide? Um, Nico, I'll start with you because you kind of wrote about something sort of similar uh, a while back. So I'm curious to get your take on that. I am so opposite where I don't really like to enshrine things in the nostalgia of the past. And so I will frequently go back and watch things and see how they've aged because I don't want to like unconditionally recommend something to people without having that awareness for how it's continued to age as a piece of media like i will routinely go and you know like watch something every couple like every couple of years or every five years or whatever because i just think that as i grow as a person and as i grow as a media critic there's always something new that you can revisit or think about with the things that you like and i think the hardest thing that you can do as a media critic is find things you don't like about things you love and find things you love about things you don't like. And I, it's so important as a critical person to be able to do that. So going back to things that I thought, you know, I had this like passion for, this nostalgia for, it's so good to go back and like really think about it, like really, really think about it. And this is more something that I have to do with like TV shows and movies because I don't have a lot of like video games I'm nostalgic for because I didn't play a lot of video games for most of my life. So it's definitely, like, it's really funny how, like, there's definitely stuff I watched and, ha- you know, thought was really funny and good that I watch now. And I'm like, ooh, that joke's real bad. Ooh, I watched Zoolander and didn't remember that there was, like, a ton of transphobia in that movie. Ooh, and it's like, yeah, like, it's a just, it's a funny movie, except it has, like, some really shitty jokes in it. And so it's like. But it's really good to know that because then if I'm like, well, if I want to recommend it to somebody, then I can be like, hey, Zoolander's real funny, but watch out. It's got transphobia in it. Or it's got these, like, jokes here, here, and here, so I don't just spring it on somebody and they just, like, have to deal with, like, something really shitty in the middle of a movie. So, I don't know. I never have a problem going back. I never have a problem because it's, like, media is contextualized by the time it was made in, but I'm not the same person I was in like 2002 or 1995. Like the other night we just, um, as a group in this like one discord that I hang out in, we all watched, um, the net with Sandra Bullock. Wow. And I hadn't seen that movie since 1995. Go back. <laughs> when I was 13. God damn. It was just like, it's not a good movie, and that's fine, whatever, but it was also really funny to, like, just see, like, um, yeah, just kind of what the humor was like, or what, you know, what a thriller looked like back then, and, like, people's ideas about technology, but it's really weird, and none of us had any idea about this, or didn't remember it, but the entire backdrop of the movie, outside of, like, you know, the hacking and the stolen identity stuff, is this like very pervasive inclusion of the AIDS crisis? Whoa. Didn't remember that at all. Cause I was 13 years old and really didn't quite understand what the AIDS crisis was in 1995. And, and then I, you know, we were all sitting there talking and I'm like the oldest person in the group. And I was like, yeah, it wasn't in like 1991 was when 1991 or two is when, like, Ryan White was, like, a big thing. 
you know, the first, mm-hmm. you know, and it became this whole thing that like, oh, well, the AIDS crisis wasn't just affecting gay men. It could, it could get anybody, quote unquote. And so the movie makers decided to just put that into the movie as kind of like, so you see people protesting in San Francisco in the background. There's like a whole parade scene and things like that. And like one of the ways that this hacker group like sabotages a major proponent of like a bill that was going to block this like gatekeeping software. They made him think that he had tested HIV positive, And so he killed himself in the first scene of the movie. And it's like, damn, I didn't remember any of this. So it's like, (laughs) so it's like, I think it's really good. You've got to always go back. You got to always like dash the nostalgia because like, I think to be honest with yourself and to be, honest with your sort of media literacy skills you have to like find all the ugly stuff you know know. yeah no that's (laughs) wow yeah first of all also want to shout out i'm going to be including into the newsletter this week but your piece looking back on gaming without nostalgia is like one of my favorite things uh ever (laughs) because i can relate to it so much right like you 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 touched upon uh a couple times throughout the show like not having grown up with uh consoles for example or stuff like that and a large part of my childhood missed out on a lot of like pc gaming and stuff even though we had some games here and there on our computer um i just wasn't a part of that world i also just didn't have access to that stuff so a lot of my you know um sort of knowledge and grasp of gaming's history um sort of isn't there i I know of like the highlights and the you know the more important things just like for context for certain things but um yeah i also like really appreciate perspectives um, from folks who are new to games and like more maybe well versed in like things like literature or movies or music criticism because it's like you get I just love different perspectives, especially around games and gaming for so long has been like, you got to be hardcore. You got to have a positive KD, bro. Like, can you go scope? And it's like, I usually tend to not be attracted to that, which is kind of what I was talking about earlier with the stream selection. I was like, people who talk like that, like, I usually like, ooh, Mm -hmm. ooh, I don't want any part of that. But um, yeah, I also have no problem going back um, and looking at things that I've like, you know, really appreciated uh, as a younger I guess gamer and or even just like movies and music and going back and and picking things apart and seeing like what holds up what didn't um what things were being said like you said of like things that were happening at the time I'm so curious about like the games we're going to be getting like a year two three years from now regarding like things surrounding COVID and like pandemics and just social safety nets that aren't in place or whatever like so curious to see that stuff beyond just like the division (laughs) which is like go shoot them and get the fucking loot bro um so yeah i also really really enjoy um thinking about something that you said actually um about finding sort of like the good stuff and things that you don't like and and vice versa i think is something that's so poignant and so like for for a lot of gamers especially like i said for so long they've been talked to like you know they were browsing a toys r us catalog or uh, a GameSpot yeah. catalog and when someone brings up an actual you know critical point or a question it's always like what do you like hate gaming do you want to impact sales and it's like no man <laughs> yeah. i love this thing actually shout out to heather she wrote an amazing piece about uh criticism this week on, oh, on kotaku so which good. ugh i'm going to also include that in the newsletter um which Please go read that. Even if Heather just, is a critics, critics. Yeah, like she's yeah. a critics, critic. Yeah, she's your like favorite 100%. critics, favorite critic, favorites yeah. critic. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that one is like so much of like what I hold true in terms of criticism and telling the truth and asking questions. Um, so I don't 
have a problem going back to things that I really love and also finding things that I was like, oh man, this is pretty problematic, but I can still enjoy it and, and give people those warnings, like you said. I think it's one thing most folks really miss is, you know, you can actually criticize a thing and still love it and, you know, still care yeah. about it. Cam, uh, what's your take on all this stuff? I mean, you know, I'm like one of those people, like I, I love going back and picking apart shit because it, it like especially like we're like where me and Paul grew up specifically it's like you are always tracking your growth and to like make it out of a, a rough place or a rough area like you're you're you kind of get you know addicted to like tracking your growth right so like when you're like when I was here I used to do this when I like moved out I did this and I used to say all this problematic shit and then I've moved on from that so like same media is the same way right like you don't i don't read the same things i used to read i still have a, an affinity and love for them of course i always appreciate that stuff but you have to hold yourself like to that stuff like i love watching old shit and like showing my partner movies that i used to love and then being like Ooh, yeah. I'm sorry, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even, even with like, like we, even with like hip-hop sometimes i'm like Oh, like, you never yeah. heard this album, Yang? And then I put it on. I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, I did not expect. I didn't. Oh, I, yeah, I forgot. Oh. The, yeah, yeah, exactly. So like <laughs> that stuff is always is always popping up, like music and, and movies and stuff. Um, yeah, like I can't think of anything specific, but like I did. I did have a success the other night. We were watching uh, Misery. You remember that yeah. movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's on Hulu right now, and it's it, like in, in my head, it's one of my favorite movies, and it's still a really good movie, but. I was like really afraid. I was like, oh man, this is going to be bad. But uh, yeah, it, it holds up pretty well. Nice. But yeah, I mean, I, I think you always have to keep track of that stuff. Man. It just, I don't know. It makes me enjoy the thing better sometimes. Totally. You know? and, and I think that's yeah. like the other side of art too, right? Is like it, it, it's not like this thing that was, that says one thing and it sticks to one thing. There's like so many layers to these things that you can mm-hmm. really peel back and, and explore. And there are times where art actually can evolve for the better too. Like uh, even if it's like a personal thing, like I, I remember playing, this is a really short example that I'll give, but um, one of my favorite games of all time is Eco. It's kind of like a divisive game uh, before Shadow of the Colossus came out. And I played it as like a 12, 13 year old when it came out. And um, it meant something to me then uh, that was very specific and of the time and the sort of worldview that I had and, the things that I was going through in my personal life, having just moved to a new town and all this stuff. And then I played it a, you know, a few years back with my partner and as somebody who's like building a life together with somebody and like, you know, that whole partnership aspect really hit differently at the time or now. And um, it's really cool when you can go back and sort of see art grow with you or grow in different ways and like either bring you further apart or, you know, push you further apart or bring you closer together. Um, and just mean different things all together. So it's like, yeah, I think really cool art, like really good art will like go out there, have conversations and then years later come back and even, you know, ask other questions of like things that were kind of like, you know, like Nico said, we're being said under the surface, sometimes not so subtly with, you know, the first scene <laughs> of a movie. But um, yeah, this is the kind of discussions that I love having. And I, and I hate focusing on sort of like the, the hangups that gaming tends to have, which are like Heather gets into in her piece, like this chip on the shoulder of like having to constantly prove itself. Um, so yeah, really good question. Mo. That was a good question. Yeah. I think it's also just to kind of 
quote at the end of it is I think that there is something to dig into where the nostalgia is such a, a, a pertinent part of a person's identity because of the way that things get marketed to people as being like a part of who you are and not something that you, you know, enjoy or experience. But also I think the nostalgia aspect really kind of comes up for just from people I don't know. This is a little bit of a blanket statement, but I think that the nostalgia aspect and wanting to hang on to that and wanting to consistently remake nostalgic things or like continue the legacy is um really reserved a lot of times for people who that was the golden sunny period of their life whereas mm. like you know like if you didn't have such a good childhood and that wasn't part of like christmas mornings waking up and getting a new nintendo or whatever you don't care about it as much yeah, yeah. i'm just saying yeah. you know like yeah. just you know it's just yeah, if you don't have it, you realize kind of what a construct it is. And totally. That, you, totally. You know, just, yeah. Yeah, we, we actually, I used to talk about this a lot with the, uh, shout out to Joshua, my boy, Joshua Rivera. Oh, um, I love him. Yeah, it's my boy, man. Like, I miss being able to just like be in my office and like hear a knock on my door and just like, oh, it's Josh. Come on in, man. And we, we have these conversations all the time about like how even some attitudes within I'm gonna be real even within like the newsroom or like within fellow critics they hold these sort of like subtle under the surface things that they value or that they like respect from people who cover games and sometimes they come out right and 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 they'll they'll challenge you or in this case me um mm-hmm. and we would always joke about that too about like certain aspects of like retro PC gaming being a thing that like I'm gonna be real was you know real big in the like white guy growing up <laughs> community in the 80s and 90s and not so much for like folks like me and cam who are just like man it'd it'd be fucking cool to just get out of this neighborhood one day or whatever (laughs) um, so you know our perspectives are just different off jump so like you know i sometimes when those attitudes reveal themselves like when those fangs get shown i'm always like oh you really are different. Like that's yeah. in the back of my head. I'm like, oh, we're, we're different. Not operating. <laughs> yeah. Si- sidebar. I don't know if this is appropriate or not, but did you see Adam Sessler's like blowing up? No. Oh, what happened? Yeah. What happened, to my boy? <laughs> he was ba- basically like, I guess people were calling out um, colleagues of his, like known people that you you've heard of before, and he just kind of defended him. Was like, they were good to me, so they're mm. good, basically. And he was just lashing out at followers and stuff. And it was rough to see, you know? Yeah. It was like, ooh, you hate to see yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he had that kind of meltdown around the whole Elizabeth Warren thing, pulling out of the campaign. Yeah. So it was just kind of like, yeah, which is so funny because, again, I didn't, I only knew of Adam Sessler through other games people. I mm. never, he was never a part of my So you didn't have diet. that No, one no. Yeah. I was just like, oh, this guy that everybody told me was cool is, like, having a complete normal one today. <laughs> yeah. it, it was wild to watch the other day. I, I, I meant to text you about it, like, are you seeing this? But I was at work. I was like, holy shit. Damn, I must, I must have, you know, had a taste and treat and checked out for the day or something. Um, that's crazy, man. Yeah, it, it's interesting, yeah. too, like, bringing this stuff up. Um, I'll Maybe I won't uh, go into this too much, but 
the Area Five folks, the folks who used to shoot the One Up Show and all that, all that good mm-hmm. stuff, they've been streaming their the One Up Show episodes and a couple of other things on their Twitch channel every day, which is amazing. And like, I'll hop in there and like, I'm like talking to them, asking like super nerdy questions, like, "Did you guys shoot on mini DV tapes? And what were you editing on? Were you editing on Avid or Final Cut Seven? Or like, you know, what were the you know what what are the cameras we're using? So, um seeing that kind of stuff and, and the bar that they set in terms of like those discussions were kind of cool. Cause I mean, a lot of them were still rooted in like, let's just talk about gameplay, keep all the other stuff out. Right. But sometimes they, you know, a question would be raised about like current events. So you, you would see like how that game, you know, encased in Amber in this video was like still impacted by the stuff happening in the real world. And like, those are the, the discussions that I love having, right? Like, you know, I hate, when the question gets raised or the comment gets said of like, why are you bringing politics into my games? And I, I, again, I understand that perspective of keep that stuff out of my hobby. This is what I do to escape, but I'd much rather have these discussions than the ones that are just like, let's just talk about the mechanics and how many combos can you make (laughs) to get an S rank? I wish I could keep politics out of games because guess what? There is not a game I haven't played that doesn't make me feel alienated at some point, and I have to be able right. to talk about that. And it's yep. just like, ooh, I wish I could just talk about the mechanics, but, like, let's, you know, like, it's hard. I would I would love to, like, have that feeling of, like, oh, I just want to focus on the gameplay. But even, like, you know, so bring it back to, like, Overwatch. <laughs> I love Overwatch. I love the, I would love to just think about the gameplay of Overwatch, but then I'm like oh, well, this is how this character is modeled or this is how yeah. people talk about this or this is how people talk about that. And it's, I can't divorce myself from it because it that's my everyday stuff coming through a video game and how, you know, like, I literally can't go on Overwatch and be on voice chat and not have somebody say something really offensive to me mm-hmm. personally about me personally. So it's just like, ugh, you know, it's hard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Also love the writing you do around Overwatch in particular. Like that's a perfect example of something that like a game that you love, but you can still like, I mean, you taught me stuff about like um, characters in Overwatch and the way they're presented and stuff. Like I was like, oh shit, I never really considered that. And like, those are the moments I love having where I'm like, I'm put onto some new information. And I'm like, oh, I never even thought about that. Um, so really, really cool. I love having those discussions. So Mo, thank you. We have another question from him uh, coming up. But next question comes from Danny who writes, have you ever successfully gotten someone into gaming as a hobby? If yes, how did you ease them in? If not, what couldn't they get past? Um, hmm. Cam, have you ever gotten someone into games and why would you punish them like that? <laughs> um, no, like, well, kind of like my, my brother, uh, we grew up, we're pretty close in age. We're four years apart and he's, he's older than me. Um, so he stopped playing games like, you know, when he got to his teenage years, like pretty much all together, like his late teens, he just like kind of just abandoned the medium, like all together. And I had kept playing till now, but um, recently he's gotten into playing again, like, at, like from not playing at all to playing Apex Legends. Damn. Like, and it was because he like, we were talking about it. He's like, what are you playing? And a couple of his friends play and they were like, just get Apex. So it was like, one of those things now that we bond over, which is so freaking weird for him to go like to nothing to like full on like gamer, mode, <laughs> like, you know, like, you know, talking to him about, you know, the the circle and strategies around, you know, uh, battle royales and stuff is so bizarre. 
but yeah, just like giving them that push to be like, yeah, you can go for it, man. Like games are still as good as when you left off. Like they're they're good. Yeah, um, they can be as fun. So he's like, you know, it's a cool hobby for him now. So yeah, um, especially with like a kid, a BR is perfect. So he can like drop in, drop out. So there's no baggage or yeah, you know, he doesn't have to spend a long time playing. Right, right, right. Uh, Nico, what about you? No, no one. Because <laughs> I I would probably be the person who had to have the games, like, sort of foisted on me. Like, I, you know, as as Paul's alluded to, I didn't play games from, like, 1993 or 4 until 2005, for the most part. There's, like, a, there's just, like, a chunk of, like, 10 or so years where I didn't have a gaming PC or I didn't play games, you know. Didn't have a console, wasn't a part of, like, gaming conversations, didn't really have gamer friends, like, and then college happened, and then I met some gamers, and then around, like, 2005 when World of Warcraft came out, I, like, begged my boyfriend to, like, help me put together a gaming PC. And, like, I didn't have a job at the time. He's like, well, you can't get World of Warcraft because you don't have a job right now, so you can't pay for it. And then I want a copy of it. So, nice. <laughs> so like, I was that person. But um, I haven't gotten anybody into, into gaming because that tends to be, like, the part of my life that I don't share with a lot of, mm-hmm. like, my family or anything because, you know, my sister, she used to be into games as a kid and, then, like, your brother can, like, she just dropped off of it and I haven't really reached out to her to get her back into it because, like, reasons I don't, my family and I don't right. get along very well, but, like, my my partner, my boyfriend... He's also a gamer. I met him through World of Warcraft, so I don't have to get Aww. him into gaming because he's already into gaming. That's so, awesome. like, yeah. And all my friends are gamers now, so, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> like, I don't game. have anybody to, like, you know, inculcate or, you know, like, get, get them into it. So, no, I actually don't have any of those kinds of experiences. <laughs> that's cool, though. That, that's, that's awesome that you actually met your partner. And wow, that's, that's yeah. awesome. Um, yeah. What about you, Pete? Yeah, so similarly, my, my brother kind of fell off of games for a while. Uh, kind of around the same time I did for a little bit. Like, there was like a year or two or like three years that I just sort of like was struggling to pay bills and, you know, make it as a struggling artist out here. So I just didn't have the funds for it. But yeah, I've got my brother back into games here and there by recommending like some standouts and some really cool like things that I think would sort of onboard him back onto games that are like mostly AAA games because those games haven't really changed too much. Like the formula, there's like definitely tweaks and updates, but it's really easy to be like, yo, play God of War. You can understand God of War. Um, you, you know, even if it's like <laughs> not a perfect game, it's like, you know, just get a PlayStation then I'll recommend you some more stuff. Um, but my partner actually, um, she's played games growing up um, with her older sibling. Um, so she's familiar with like this SNES and this, you know, PlayStation and stuff like that. So she's sort of been around it. Um, and she, you know, played some certain handheld games growing up as well. So she has some standout games, but she wasn't really like a gamer gamer. But, um, when we started dating, it was like, you know, it's a, it's a big, it's a big part of my life. So I was, um, slowly but surely getting her back into games. Like I would always have all the consoles and stuff. And eventually we moved in together and, um, you know, I feel like, I've helped her like sort of rediscover, not introduce her to games, but rediscover like, Hey, look, these were JRPGs look like now, or here's what fire emblem looks like now. Like it's, it's pretty cool if you're interested in, and she's, you know, I got her a switch, I think last year or two years ago. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been fun sort of like seeing that slow onboarding or like re onboarding, I guess. Um, yeah. so that's been kind of cool. That's my only experience so far. I, yeah. I've, 
I find that like I don't like talking about games at all. <laughs> like especially with people who are not into games. Yes. And they yeah. you can see them like grasping for something to communicate with. Like cuz once they find out like I do the show and yeah. it's one of my hobbies, that's what they latch onto. It's like, "Oh yeah, like, you know, what's what's a new game?" It's like I I'd rather not have this conversation <laughs> yeah. at all. So yeah. I find that that's my mood a lot, and I I come up kind of like a like ugh yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> no it's, I can it's weird. I can relate yeah, yeah it's so funny story about that I my day job is very normal I'll say mm-hmm. all my coworkers are around my age but definitely don't have the same hobbies because right. you know and found out that one of my coworkers who's directly on my team also is a gamer but is into very different games and just kind of a very different whole like gamer lifestyle than me. And Mm -hmm. uh, so I don't talk about games with him either. Uh, (laughs) Keep that separate, but also I don't want my, you know, coworkers finding out who I am on the internet. And, uh, but it's so funny because I have kept the gaming thing so on the like lowdown that like at the end of year, like, fake award ceremony that we do for fun at like the Christmas party he got like gamer of the year award and I didn't so I was just like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, did it. no yeah. one knows no one knows, no one knows. Yeah, yes. yeah. Um, yeah that's actually hilarious that's actually a really good point too like I only I, some friends I enjoy talking games with because like they, they have the vocabulary and they keep up with like the you know some sort of news that happens in that gaming space but there are some times where people are just like hey you play games, right? Like, recommend me, like, find a game for me to play. And I'm like, right. what? Like, I'm not, you know, well, paying for this? I don't even that's, know you. Yeah. That's on, so what? specific, too. Like, I don't yeah. know what, it, it's not like a movie, you know? Yeah, yeah. right. I'm not a stylist. That. Um, <laughs> yeah, but there are some friends who, like, have the vocabulary. And that's actually one thing that I've noticed, too. Like, you know, there's a lot of people out there who are like, oh, game journalists. Like, you know, you suck or whatever. But the real thing is, is like, can you actually talk about games? Can you actually like really Mm -hmm. dissect and and do you have the vocabulary to, you know, support your opinions or when you get challenged or whatever? So that's when I really appreciate talking to folks about it. But if you don't have that, I'm always like, I kind of keep it basic. I'm like, I don't know, just play Mario. Mario's good. Yeah. Um, All right, cool. Our next question comes from Snacks McGee in the Discord who writes, uh, Kind of a follow-up for Mo's question. Um, is there anything that you've maybe thought that about, but then you went back to it and it still totally holds up? I think this is primarily for the um, the uh, question oh, no, about okay. going yeah. back and seeing if something has aged poorly. So is there anything that you've maybe thought about, uh, but then you went back to it and it still totally holds up? Um, also, favorite KK Slider jams. So as a bonus answer, uh, Nico, I'll let you take okay. it away. Okay. Number one, missed. Still good. This is still really oh, good. Yeah, yeah, especially I. Yeah, I played all the. I played all the like remakes of it or whatever, and it's still amazing. And it's a really good solid puzzle game, and still will wholeheartedly like recommend it to people. As far as KK Slider Jams, um, definitely. I mean, like, I really like the song that they sort of that they you know put into New Horizon, New Horizons, which is Welcome Horizons, and that's like the the theme song that you hear at the menu, but um. All time KK slider jams, my place, stale cupcakes, bubblegum KK, and um, forest life. So. Yeah, solid choices. <laughs> solid, solid choices. Um, Cam, what about you? 
yeah, I said it before. Misery is really good. It's yeah. just so fresh mm-hmm. on my and watch that movie is so so such a delight. Yeah. Uh, my favorite KK slider jams right now. Um so I have this like spooky room mm-hmm. and um it's like a little office. I'm trying to like I don't know, I'm trying to do something with it. But KK Dirge, it's like this really spooky kind of song and it just it's like my vibe right now. Like, <laughs> spooky yeah, vibes. It's like, ooh, spooky yeah. Vibes. I think about it all the time. Like, I think in that with that in the background. Yeah. And then um where is it? Uh I can't see I can't find the other one, but there's another one. It's like a kind of like a house vibe to it. It's a the electro one? Oh KK House. It's, KK House. It's, it's, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> good nice also uh if you you can record like every saturday you can just uh do a recommendation and i just make him like sing back that ass up or some shit <laughs> that's good that's pretty good it's like it's never it but it's, just, like, it's good. solid yeah. solid pick um yeah so um i mentioned it before too i think Ico kind of holds up but i also think like we talked about sheets of rage some of those are really really simple they hold up there are certain parts of it that are like yikes um but yeah. also tetris is the goat whatever form you played in play tetris it's the perfect game um and favorite kk slatter jam uh it's gotta be not that it's gotta be uh <laughs> kk condor um Ooh, which is good, solid. yeah it's a very like andean music so it's like stuff that i listened to growing up at like family parties and stuff and the first time i heard it i had this very like visceral reaction to it because again <laughs> i don't have um experience with animal crossing so this is like my first real animal crossing that i'm playing and um listening to it gave me these like flashbacks to like, you know, family parties in Ecuador or like in, you know, wherever we would gather in, in, in the States. And, um, just imagining like older relatives, like dancing to it in the very traditional way, like a very Latin American way. And, um, like kind of having this moment because of a KK Slider song of like, damn, I took that all for granted. Now that like, you know, I'm getting older and some of those folks are, you know, no longer here with us, but like all from a KK Slider song. And, um, it sounds so similar to a really famous Chilean, like Andean band, um, called, uh, Inti Limani. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds, it's like very, you know, folkloric with like flutes and, um, bunch of different instruments. So, so good. So good. Um, okay, cool. So Mo writes, actually I have a second question. Uh, what songs non-KK Slider edition are in heavy rotation these days for you all? So, uh, Kim, I know you got some heat for us. What you got? I, I don't have any heat, but um, like I have, really haven't been listening to anything new. Uh, but I, I'm really into the internet, um, the band, and uh, their first album, um, Ego Death, is like been like nonstop for me. It's a very nostalgic album for me. Like it didn't come out, but so many years ago. But it's just such a perfect, perfect album. Nice, nice, uh, Nico. What about you? Um, I oh god, it's hard because I listen to like a bunch of albums that are just coming out like now. So I've had like the entire like um, Afterburner by Dance Gavin Dance and a bunch of singles from Paris. And um, Haley Williams from Paramore just put out a whole like self like a, a, yeah like her own solo album and it's like super good. But then also like I throw together like monthly playlists to kind of like see where my head is at every like month or whatever. And so like my top listens on like those are kind of like definitely been bumping like you know a lot of Doja Cat and uh, Big Freedia and stuff like that. So just, nice. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at right now. 
Awesome. That's a nice little mix of things. I did not know about that uh, Haley Williams album, so I'm going to go check that yeah. out. Yeah, my girlfriend yes. told me like, yesterday that that came out. Yeah, yeah. Pedals so for really Armor cool. came out on Friday. It's so good. Nice. Going to listen to that all <laughs> night now. Yeah. Um, it's so good. It's oh, so good. Check it out. Her voice is like <laughs> unbelievable, dude. Whenever, oh, like, and she's like... Talking about like a divorce and shit. Yeah. No, it's good. It's like, I was not, I, I mean, like my, my friend who, like my best friend who we have like the exact same like musical taste, he has been pumping me for that album coming out for like so long. And I, and then so finally now that it's out, I'm just like, <gasps> you know, like every time in, like a new single would come out, we would just like listen to it together. <laughs> I was just like freaking out, but yeah, it's it's got some like real vicious like breakup songs Ooh. on it for real. Shoot. Yeah, love right. it. Per- perfect for COVID, baby. When people yeah. are social distancing already. Um, yeah, so I have two right off jump. Uh, the first one is from an artist who I really, really love. He just made a collaboration album with someone else. It's uh, What Kind of Music. It's from Tom Mish and Yusef Days. So Tom Mish, if you haven't heard of him before, highly recommend checking out his music. I would say the first one to check out is, is his most popular song, on, according to Spotify at least, called It Runs Through Me. It, um, it's an amazing song. So he's like a singer, producer. He plays like a bunch of different instruments, mainly the guitar. Um highly recommend checking him out but this album this album in particular is definitely like a departure from his old stuff which is more like r&b and sort of like funky sort of blues feel to it um love it so much this new album is very like trippy and very like um what's the word i'm looking for um just psychedelic in a lot of ways but so good incredible instrumentation just all around great times definitely you know, pour yourself a glass of whatever you prefer to drink and listen to this one, vibe out to it. And then the other one I would say is, um, for whatever reason, I've been really getting, really getting back into Krongbin around this time. Um, like a lot of like instrumental stuff I put on the background is really helpful for me, like while I work or while I write and, um, just listen to anything from Krongbin. But I would say in particular, check out, um, Con Todo El Mundo, which is like their 2018 album, which is, I think a nice introduction to their music. It's, um, it's almost like music you would hear like in a Tarantino movie, very like almost borderline spaghetti, spaghetti Western. They were influenced by like uh, funk bands from like Thailand and stuff or like that kind of stuff. So it's really, really cool. I think that's where the name comes from too. So check them out. They also have a really amazing Tiny Desk concert back when we were still having those. Um, and it's just so good. It's just like three people in a band and uh, their their bass player, like she just like, I mean, not just, not like this week or whatever, but she um, <laughs> relatively recently started learning how to play bass and she's already like nasty at it. And it's just like, just so good. Highly recommend it, uh, checking that, checking them out. Um, okay, cool. Carl, write, Carl writes in, how has your relationship view on race and racism changed over the years? Uh, for example, when I was younger, i.e. my teens, I was very much in the Dr. King Jr. camp of things. As I've gotten older, 31 now, I've kept with general ideals of Dr. King Jr., but there is some Malcolm X pre and post Mecca, as well as Magneto and my older self. With all this BS going on in the world and being mixed, jumping to a different country isn't an easy solution like it is for others. It gets to the point where I'm thinking, if not saying out loud, move me, mother effer, uh, I wish you would. Um, so this is a really like interesting question um, for, yeah. for this week. I wasn't fully prepared for this one, but... Um, Kim, I'll start with you. Yeah, how has your relationship and and view on race and racism changed over the years? 
I, I think it's it's gotten uh more uh I tend to think a, a, a lot more about the things like I, I stop asking like as, as a kid, you're just wondering like, why, right? You're just always wondering like, like, why is that? Like, it doesn't make any sense. Um, as an adult, um, you kind of, kind of come to grips with the fact of racism and uh, white supremacy and the system that that is. Um, I feel that like this week, I mean, we talked about it on our, our friend um, for a video chat, but just like, it was a rough week with seeing all the news and the stuff and it, it hit harder than it usually does. And so it's been one of those like exhausting, I just feel so exhausted with all the shit that's going on. Um, but like racism runs deep, right? There, there are no real solutions to it. Um, I saw something that was really cool on, on on uh, Instagram recently, someone said uh, racism, especially in America, is like white people's problem, right? It's for them to solve because we can't fix we can't fix that. Like we can't fix white supremacy, right? It's going to be for them to for you know white allies to like disrupt the system, right? To to fix it. Um, and I thought that was pretty like a, a cool kind of like thing because like you know we can always just ask like why why is this happening to us like will it ever change and it's it's a, it's a bad mindset to have just because it's it's not proactive and it's not um it's just like i don't know man it, it's it's rough uh but i, I feel them like you, you you have those bouts of like you know you get angry you, you want to do something and but you still want to be safe like you know Growing up, I, I still hear my mom all the time. She's like, just come home, right? Just make sure you're, you're home. Like, be yeah. safe. Whatever that means, just do that. Yeah. I ra- I'd rather you swallow your pride and come home safe, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know? We, I mean, <laughs> that, that's something that I talk to my partner about all the time, actually. Like, you kind of brought it up at the, at the another part of the show where we're talking about, like, us coming from a very particular world, right? Where, mm-hmm. you know, there's a very designated path that, the structure that has been built wants us to go down. Right. And Mm -hmm. it takes a lot to just like avoid that path and avoid certain traps along the way. And, um, one of those things was like when I was younger, just like always constantly being aware of how, you know, seeing how my parents were treated as immigrants or the things that the lessons that they imparted upon us of like, I remember when I was learning how to drive, one of the first lessons I got was like, here's how to, here's what you do when you get pulled over. And my dad was like, here's how to not get shot by the police. And um, that's a thing that you sort of like internalize and you, and you move through life always on the forefront of your mind. It's never like something that you forget about. Um, so like, you know, when, if I see police or whatever, I, I sort of immediately freeze up a little bit. I get a little nervous. Um, and it's even down to the fact that like even amongst our friends, right? Like when we say bye to each other, it's like, all right, yo, text me when you get home, be safe, you know, get home safe. It's it, beyond just like, you know, watch out for reckless drivers. It's just literally like, yo, be safe. Like it's, it's a thing that yeah. we constantly have to worry about. So I think yeah. over the years, as I get older, I, I mean, I, I can relate there are sometimes where I'm like, you know, revolutionary mode and I'm like, you know, hasta la muerte, whatever I'm like in my head, I'm just trying to be like, ah, whatever. But then there are other times you have to really dial that back in. And there's another game that you're playing, especially once you sort of 
move through your career, I've learned like there's another battle like way deep below the surface that like, you know, has most recently been talked about as like unconscious bias. And there's like training and seminars about like, here are some things that managers may be doing that like you might not be aware of, or even like even me myself, right? Like I I might have some things that I should work on for sure. Um, But you see it manifest in ways that are like, interesting especially like in in the workplace right so you'll you'll see certain comments get made or um you know just the way certain folks might be treated that you don't really consider until you take a step back and reassess and go hey wait a second why am i doing all this work and why aren't my peers doing this work or you know just different ways and and sometimes you know i always try to presume good intent i always want to like see things as like learning lessons and ways to sort of walk through these things and not just be like you know, immediately resort to being aggressive and and confrontational. There are times where Mm. sometimes it's just straight up like a mistake or it's a thing that like, hey, look, man, I want to talk to you about this thing. Here's how it made me feel. Here's why it made me feel this way. Um, I think those moments are also important. So I think like, yeah, it's a a tricky question. But I think like Cam said, I've sort of given up on the why and the reasoning and I just sort of deal with, all right, what can we do moving forward now, right? It's like, Mm. what do we do with this energy? Do we like, make something do we build something or do we try to destroy something and i'm i think the older i get the more fascinated i am with like building something which is what this podcast was right it started as a thing that was like a response to like something that didn't exist i took a photo of a thing on a wall at a museum on my last trip to amsterdam at a at an art museum that said like make the things you want to see in the world and that's also like how i just view a lot of stuff is if it, if it doesn't exist or it's hard to find, I'm just going to make it and I'm going to make it cool. I want to make it cool. I want to make these conversations fun and, and engaging, but also, you know, these are things that we have to consider. It was like the, my journey to the Savage Planet video was a thing that I like didn't have fun talking about, but I thought, Hey, it's worth talking about. I think we should talk yeah. about this stuff. Sure. Um, yeah. Loaded question. Love the responses though. I love the question as well, I, uh... but, uh, yeah, but I feel I feel Carl at the end. He's yeah. like, you know, like this this is your home, right? You don't you shouldn't have to run, right? You you uh, this is all of our space. Um, we have to live near one another. Don't be immovable, you know. Like don't don't move, don't get ran up out your block. Don't do that. Uh, so definitely, you know, be safe, defend yourself, and uh, I don't know, just keep it pushing. Stay positive. Take care of your mental health. That's a big one, especially now, like seeing all that shit, like try to avoid those murder videos if you can. Um, <laughs> Cause that, that's like a, a fuck mind, mind fuck yeah, altogether. But, for sure. Yeah. For no, sure. this is a good, you know, we got to keep talking about this stuff. You have to keep it on the forefront and just keep moving. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Nico, I know it's a loaded question, but I'd love to get your perspective. <laughs> uh, well, people who don't know me i'm white so (laughs) like this is a very different kind of answering question you know relationship to racism because you know being a white person you're definitely the people that benefit from it and so my entire life has been kind of like rolling back all of the you know things i grew up with which is i mean i think i fared better than some of my peers you know I grew up in a very, like, liberal, mixed environment, a pretty diverse community as a kid, so it wasn't like I walked out into the world and was like, you know, what's black people or something like that. Yeah. I definitely grew up, you know, my parents had all sorts of different kinds of friends, but the second you start to do revolutionary work, 
and progressive work, like getting into feminism, if you do not, as a white woman particularly, take very great care to really think about not just the gender aspect, but the race aspect, the queerness aspect. You have to take all of those things into account in your work because you're not the only woman on the planet. You know, white women are not the only white women on the planet. I have to credit so much of my, you know, coming up to and dealing with, you know, internalized, you know, white bullshit to all of, like, the black feminists that I hung out with on Twitter when I first got onto Twitter. I got onto Twitter in, like, 2009, like, way back then, and, like, just kind of got into reading a lot of, like, black women feminists and womanists and, like, you know, um, Nikki Kendall and her whole crew and just, like, and she's just gone places, which has just been amazing. Like, if, if anybody wants a good read, Hood Feminism is just, like, unbelievable. Like, just a really good book. But, like, um, that's just the kind of work I've had to do every day, and it's, I think, something that if I really had to carry it forward or talk about it, it's just, you know, if you, as a white person, you're not thinking about oppressive bullshit that you can be changing about yourself and changing about the people around you and like calling it out and like, you know, doing that work and on yourself and other people and teaching people and then being kind of the more aggressive ones in this sort of fight. Like you're not doing that work and not thinking about it every day, especially the last five, you know, five years in this country, in America, then you're not really kind of putting your money where your mouth is as an ally. That's just kind of, I don't know, that's just kind of how I steer myself through it, particularly because I think I do have an impact in feminist spaces. And so kind of, you know, calling out a lot of the like liberal white feminist establishment who are a lot of like white women who, you know, quote unquote, mean well, but like absolutely push women of color out of the conversation. And, Mm -hmm. you know, especially trans women of color, like, um, that's the work I have to do. And that's something I've just tried to center every single year more and more, because if I don't do it, you know, it's not going to get done. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Let's just. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. Well said. Well said. (laughs) Good question. Good question, Carl. Appreciate you, man. Um, all right, cool. And our last question comes from Sam. Uh, since it's Mother's Day, uh, what's one of your favorite memories of your mom? Uh, mine is one Thanksgiving or Christmas where we dropped the turkey and just didn't tell anyone. Uh, which is <laughs> that's fire. I actually love that. Yeah, that's fantastic. Just dust uh, it off. Good. It's good. Yeah, just dust it off. Go, you know what I mean? Just it's good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> actually, I'll just throw one into the mix real quick first to start things off. Um, my mom has always been really supportive of, of like supportive of my, you know, passion for video games, especially growing up. So she was always the one that would like take me to, you know, at the time, nobody beats the whiz. I remember oh, getting, yeah. yeah, I remember getting a uh, Pokemon yellow with the Pikachu version. And like, you know, um, she was always the one like asking my brother, like, what's the game he wanted? Vector man. What the hell is this? So, um, <laughs> Shout out to my mom. She was always like the one like, you know, here's a new video game and I'm not going to, you know, completely judge you and I'm going to support you. Also, me and Cam talk about this all the time, but like, I want you to stay the fucking side and not be outside yeah. running around <laughs> on your bikes all day. Um, yeah. Uh, Cam, what you got? Yeah. My, the, my mom. Yeah. Like you said, like my mom was one of those people, like she would, 
she didn't have a lot of means, but for what she did have, she would always like try to make me and my brother have like the best thing so we can, you know, video games was a way for her to keep her eye on us, you know, like being a single parent. It's hard, you know, like, especially where we grew up is, is it, it can get a little crazy, but you know, my mom always like hooked us up with like comic books and shit. She's the one that like got me into comic books. Well, her mother actually got me and my brother into like comic book cards. And then, uh, uh, my mom like just kept going with the comic. She would just like, you know, wake up one Saturday, like, yo, let's, let's go for a drive and just get me like a huge X-Men book or some shit like that. Nice. Just on, just to do it, you know, just to, I love those memories. I have a ton of memories like that. My mom just like going Same. to the card shop and just like picking up Pokemon cards. She would get me like a holographic if I did something good in, in like fourth grade or something like that. You know? Nice. Like, <laughs> stuff like that yeah. that's awesome she that's awesome so cool that stuff. um all right cool we, you got any memories or we could just keep moving uh just my mom basically just gave me my sense of humor i think because she uh, when i was little and i'd get like sick or something and i'd have to stay home she would have to stay home with me you know from work because you know and uh so she would let me watch like probably way too adult movies but like <laughs> you know like bananas with, with woody allen and like trains you know, trains planes and you know that sort of thing like with steve martin so i really grew up very early with like a very like maybe way too adult sense of humor <laughs> as a kid you know like like monty python and stuff like that and mm-hmm. so like that formed my sense of humor very early on very dry wit like very like goofy sort of stuff so um when she was driving me out to like college or whatever she also we would also listen to um uh, I'm trying to remember, but there's like, there's a very funny, like travel writer that like we both like, so we'd listen like books on tape, you know, in the car. Um, so yeah, basically I think that that's the one thing I have to share about my mom is like, yeah, we just, you know, she gave me my sense of humor basically. Nice. Got that awesome. Early. Yeah. Word, word. Yeah, very, sure. very cool. Um, all right, cool. Jumping into feeling it, feeling it is where we take one thing that we absolutely love from the past week that we've stumbled across that we think is worth sharing. Uh, Nico as our esteemed guest uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna have you go first i gotta know what the heck this is in the show notes what, what are we talking about what is this okay so um for people that don't know my actual passion in life outside of video games which isn't my true passion is actual food like I'm, i love food writing and and cooking and i'm a foodie a little bit so i watch a lot of food content on youtube if like that's the one thing i think that's like kept my youtube algorithm from like going crazy is i literally just get shown (laughs) cooking videos and diy like that's it like that's the only thing that happens so i um watch a lot of like the big ones like you know bon appetit binging with babish and stuff but i started getting like surface this like dude called internet shaquille who also, weirdly enough, has, like, a picture of Charles Barkley on his, like, YouTube <laughs> account and everything. So, I, I know it's a joke. It's got, you know, it's a whole fucking joke. But, like, so, I just started watching this dude's videos. He's not, like, super big. But he, he should be. And I think he's, like, starting to blow up a little bit. He has a Patreon, which is just patreon.com shack. And he's just, like, <laughs> he's just, like, I think he's, like, uh like, he's mixed. He's, like half Mexican and he just does the most amazing like two to three minute this is how you can cook better this is how you can like grow your own food he's a leftist he just is extremely camera ready good editing 
good, easy stuff to cook. This is why you can make this really good thing out of very cheap ingredients. And he's not pretentious. And I love him. He's just the best stuff. Go find him on YouTube. It'll change your life. You'll like learn the best things about chickpeas. It's amazing. So. <laughs> nice. Inter- Internetshaquille.com. It's a picture of Charles Bar- Barkley, right? And then yeah. it says, the brown Alton. <laughs> So good. That's bars it. right there. Yeah. That's so good. Instantly a fan. Instantly a fan. Um, yeah. So good. That's amazing. I got to check this out. How, how did you find them? I just, he just YouTube surfaced him one day because he did like a video like a year ago. He doesn't put out a ton of videos because he like has a day job and stuff, but he like put out a video like a year ago where he like did Soylent for seven days or whatever. And just, like, wrote about how awful it was and how it's, like, expensive garbage and, like, but did it in such a funny way. And it, it, I think that video blew up because it hit Reddit, of course, and, like, all the mm-hmm. Soylent heads, like, fucking lost their minds and started coming <laughs> after him. But, no, I got surfaced that, and as soon as I watched that, I got so hooked and just, like, went through his entire archives. Which is Amazing. Great. Definitely going to check it. this out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Um, also, subscribe to the uh, newsletter. Link's going to be right there. Come on, <laughs> come on everybody. Um, I can go really quickly because mine's kind of an old one. But um, yeah. yeah, I think there's kind of been a you know a need for folks to revisit or visit for the first time, in my case, um, really old series. Not really, really old, but old series um, and just see if they hold up and you know what the hype is all about. In my case, it's been The Sopranos. I've, I've gotten recommended The Sopranos by so many different people over the course of my life. And I kind of know about it because it was such a big cultural moment for so many different reasons, especially that finale. Like, I know what happens. I know what, you yeah. know, <laughs> everything that sort of transpired, especially around the conversation during that time, uh, which is like a whole different world to think about right now. But um been watching it with my partner and we went into it, you know, knowing what it was going to be and, you know, kind of had our preconceived notions of what the story would be about and the plot because you know it's like it's basically about like the mob in new jersey um specifically surrounding our central character tony soprano and his family who's like you know by day sort of like a weird you know problematic father and then by night or by the rest of the day uh it's just like a mobster he's like the you know the godfather of this sort of family and um we didn't. We went into it knowing that it was going to have some heavy moments, some really nasty, sort of violent scenes, and really, uh, you know, vile attitudes, you know, towards you know, minorities and and women especially. Mm-hmm. And we knew yep. that stuff was going to be in there, but it is so damn good as as like <laughs> this sort of like Shakespearean. I almost look at it like there, there's actually one episode where someone's talking about like you know. Uh, I forget who it was, but they were talking about like, oh, you know, you guys used to be so great. Like the Romans, what happened to the Romans? And I think Tony responds like, you're looking at them. Like it's, if you, if you sort of look at it through the prism of like, um, imagining them as the descendants of these like Romans who were like, you know, really power hungry and, um, wow, this, (laughs) these, uh, you, you know, these very like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like vindictive and, and, uh, scheming and like, just really like, uh, but there's also like some pretty poignant stuff being said about like America and the way that like, you know, America's not this clean sort of, you know, squeaky clean history when it comes to, you know, the world of industry and, and 
capitalism and all that stuff. So it, it is kind of a little bit of a back and forth of like, look how nasty these guys are, but also like, look how nasty everything else is too. Like nothing's right. really black and white in that sense. So it's also a lot funnier than I was expecting it to be. Like there are moments where like, we're literally laughing out loud and like, we're like quoting certain scenes. Um, wasn't expecting that to have like a bit of a goofy sense of humor because one of the main things about the show is Tony, the, the leader of this, you know, outfit, uh, he goes to therapy. So he, yeah. like he talks things out with a psychiatrist. And um, so it's kind of cool. Like those scenes feel like stage plays where you're like watching two actors just like go back and forth and ask questions, answer questions, and just sort of get a peek into his brain. It's like, it's mostly there to tease out some, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, just details about the character's perspective and, mm-hmm. and more, um, get a better sense of what's happening internally in, in the mind of our central character here. So yeah, the Sopranos has been completely blowing me away. And, uh, it's also kind of fun getting a peek back into like the late nineties and, yeah. um, you know, the transition through the millennium, like the intro still has like the twin towers in there. And like, yep. it, it feels very like, you know, weird to see and, um, just a whole that different world. Sweet, Intro's yeah. so good. Oh, it holds God. up. Love holds it. up. Yeah. But yeah. And those food scenes are just so good. <laughs> that, so the, good. The food scenes are just, that killed me because <laughs> like that was like, I didn't get, like my, you know, my family is Italian American and, but there wasn't a lot of us. So we didn't get to have the big family dinners, you know, yeah. like Sunday gravy with, with Nona or whatever, because like <laughs> most of that side of my family was already gone by the time that I was born. So, like, I kind of got, like, a, a weird, like, I got, like, a weird, like, vibe out of that in, like, a good way. Because I was just like, oh, this is the big, like, you know, family dinners I never got to have. <laughs> I can't, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Yeah. It, it also gives so me, nice. it gives me some flashbacks, too, because, like, I have a lot of family in New Jersey. So, like, that drive <laughs> feels familiar. Like, some of yeah. those houses, I'm like, ugh, I've been to this house. I've been to this block before. I've been through this town. For me, as, like, a snobby, you know, native New Yorker, I'm always, like, anytime I go into Jersey, I'm like, ugh, something's off. Like, the yeah. color here is different. The light here is different. Um, <laughs> as soon as you get on that turnpike, it's just like, what's going on? Ugh, the, I miss my exit. Got to turn back around and, like, 10 miles or whatever. Oh, Jersey always has that smell to it. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm sorry to all of our New Jersey listeners, but man. I love Jersey, but Jesus. I love Jersey. Jesus, yeah. Like, yeah, like... <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of fun also just, yeah, there, there's some episodes too, especially recently I'm at the end of season two, so I'm hitting season three, which I hear is like where it sort of gets really, yeah, really good. good. Um, but there are some episodes that like really play with like the format too. Like they're really, you know, playing with um, just, uh, yeah, I'm like drawing a blanks today, but just the, the way you expect things to happen, it'll just sort of like take a left turn. You're like, whoa, I didn't expect that. Or they're like hinting at things in terms of, you know, good and evil and stuff. It's just really, really cool. Um, yeah, I love it. Check it out. It's on HBO Go. I think it's also on Hulu still, if you have like Hulu and that HBO thing. I'm not sure, entirely sure how that works, but yeah, yeah check out The Sopranos. Cam, what you got? Sopranos is great. Um, yeah. yeah, so I, I've been like in a weird Star Wars kick lately. So I've been, I finished up the last uh, season of the Clone Wars animated um, 3D animated show, uh, which I thought was really sweet. Um, I may or may not have teared up when Darth Maul got murdered. Um, Spoiler. 
for the third time he dies. Yeah. Um, and then um, I started watching Star Wars Rebels again, um, just like in the background. Um, but Disney uh, Plus, they released this show called uh, Gallery, and then it's like based on like the Mandalorian. I guess this first season is going to be like focusing on behind the scenes of the Mandalor uh, the Mandalorian, and how that show was like being directed and and uh produced and stuff like that so basically it's like john favreau dave filoni who's been like um like the the head dude on he was in everything he was like a key animator and like um uh avatar last airbender and then he went to like spongebob and then he went to um the star wars animated show and then he finally got the he's basically like the guy who weaves all this stuff together um he is the star, uh, the Star Wars guy. But uh, yeah, they're just talking with all the other directors of the show. So like uh, Taika Waititi, um, uh, Bryce um, Howard, Bryce Dallas Howard, um, and uh, who else? Yeah, a bunch of other like um, John Favreau really cool... is, is he in there? Yeah, John Favreau is just him, like a... him and what? No, no, I was gonna say like I I, I couldn't. I forget if you mentioned him already, but I, I forgot he's like heavily involved in the Mandalorian. Yeah, he's like the the lead director, um, but he John, like got this. He's like the king this, of that whole thing. I think, yeah. like in a lot more ways than people realize. <laughs> yeah, he. It seems that way. Like I'm like, yeah. it's just weird. But they're just sitting at this like table, just talking about like you know the episodes and kind of like breaking them down in the way of like, I like you know people's relation to Star Wars and may not have been like the biggest fan but love the way it impacted their life in some way and being able to work on this project and getting seen those like uh behind the scenes shots of like uh pedro pascal in the in like the suit and him being directed and stuff like that and it's just cool. it's a really cool like take and if you're into like star wars this is always like good to like nerd out on this stuff yeah and they just yeah, having yeah. some really cool conversations about the actual lore and stuff like that which is really cool for me so that's awesome um, yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's only two episodes out right now and they're short so it, it's really fun nice i'll definitely check that out i, I love that behind the scenes stuff i'm always yeah. like watching featurettes and stuff on youtube and blooper reels and stuff um, it reminds me of um he used to have a show on like ifc uh john favreau used to have a show on ifc um where he would get together with like actors and directors and just have dinner and that that show was the best like back in like the early 2000s and it reminds me of that like where they're just like kind of chilling so nice yeah i always watch those like hollywood reporter roundtables and stuff <laughs> yeah yeah, I want to hear Scorsese talk about Vanderpump Rules or whatever. Um, <laughs> but she does watch, by the way. So all my haters out there, it's the the finest form of storytelling. Oh, um, also funny enough, John Favreau in an episode of The Sopranos, uh, he is, which I was not expecting. I was like, oh shit, like young John Favreau. Um, that cast is so good, though. Oh, so good, so good. Um, all right, cool. Um, before we wrap up the show, Nico. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Seriously, we appreciate it. Yeah. It's a pleasure. Seriously, such a pleasure. Um, before we let you go, how can the people find your stuff online and keep up with all your exploits on the internet? Uh, mostly just hit me up on my Twitter, which is Apple Cider Witch. Um, my Twitch is Apple Cider Witch. And all of my writing can be found at ciderlemonade.com. Hey, nice. Hey. I have, a qu- have one last question. Um, yeah. How did you come up with Apple Cider Witch? 
Uh, I used to be Apple Cider Mage because that was the name of my World of Warcraft blog back in the day because I played a mage and I had to think of a name that was original for that Twitter and that blog that no one else had. And I was like, well, my favorite drink is like apple cider. So I'll just put them together and that, and then be, yeah, so that's where I came from. <laughs> it's got a nice, it's got a nice ring to it. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's very, it right. yeah, yeah. yeah, it's just right. Um, all right, cool. Uh, Cam, how can people find you online? Uh, you catch me on Twitter uh, at Cappy Can't Lose, C A P I C A N T L O S E. How about you? Um, I'm at Pauly Mayo, P O L I M as in Mario, A Y O. I'm on Twitter, Twitch now. I'm streaming two Yay. times a week. Um, and Instagram, if you want a, the occasional photo of my cat sleeping next to me or whatever. Um, <laughs> all right, cool. Thank you so much for listening this week. If you have any questions or comments, send them over to questions at the optional.com. We would love to hear from you. You can also send us questions and talk to us on our amazing Discord with you know our incredible community who's killing it right now. Thank you so much for everything, everybody. Uh, find a link to the Discord over at theoptionalpodcast.com. That's where you can also sign up for our newsletter to find expanded show notes, like links to things that we discuss on the show and you know some extra work from Nico here, which you need to read. It's, it's so good. Um, also, uh, please be sure to subscribe. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Anchor, and Spotify. Um, we're also on whatever podcast catchers out there pretty much. If you could take a minute, though, to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, that really, really helps us spread the word. And if you like the show and want to support us even further, you can donate as low as a dollar a month by going to our Anchor profile, um, which is at anchor.fm slash podcast. Special thanks to our supporters, Mark, Charlie, Suhaib, Bree, John Michael, Murray, and Jesse for helping us keep these lights on. We really, really appreciate it. And um, as always, we're on Twitter at the Optional NYC. And our show's music is by the one and only Levi Pack. You can find him on Twitter at underscore L-E-V-I-P-A-C-K. So until next time, everyone. Peace. Peace.